Holman, I'm going to start this show off with a gift to myself. Uh, it might be appropriate for our guests. That uh, seems like it tracks. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me reach down here and uh, put this on. Here we go. Oh, my God. That is what? the most... Or- yeah. Are you doing high-vis on the construction Sorry. side? Ah, there we oh, go. Oh, I know. You're either an orange <laughs> traffic cone mm. or... Candy corn for uh, Halloween. Oh, no, I don't like candy corn. Well, you're going to look like uh, one. Cause, what? Because my head is white popping oh, out of this orange all thing. All right, this is a giant 4XL No, orange. it's not. It fits me fine. It's an XL. This is a bright not look like a orange Bill Stein gas Wait pressure shock absorbers hoodie. And it says Germany on it. What? Yes. That's not an official I bought this on eBay. Right, and, and that's not official. It, it's not official. No. But it, it was their logo at one time. I realize well, it's not their current logo. We just logo. had the 150th anniversary, and so you can see our sticker up on the sticker wall. Yeah, that's the current that's logo. The, current, the, the new logo. Oh, my shirt. Like, this is kind of, shirt. yeah, this is kind of antique All right, so because but of I, our guests, you decided to get apparel off eBay. I Meanwhile, like, I'm wearing sanctioned apparel that I received as a gift. And I didn't receive anything as a gift, and I bought you, this did you for ask? 30 bucks. this did hoodie right here. you ask? I didn't ask. Yeah. I wanted to surprise them wearing some Bill Stein stuff. That's going to that... surprise them. I hope they're wearing sunglasses. <laughs> it's so and bright. It very much surprised they had. Them. They had army green. They had black, uh-huh. you know, white, all these. And yeah, I saw I that orange. The effort, and I and go, I'm sure they will, too, because like orange is so bright. definitely their colors. I know it's not their color, but it looks good with the logo. This looks good with the logo. Uh-huh. Come on now. With the blue and the yellow and, and stuff. orange. All right, moving right along. What is in the freaking envelope? Is that you're a not li- going to get no stop? Is that thing. license plates again? Oh yeah. What? Hold on a second. We already <laughs> went through this. Why? Why are we doing this again? Here we go. Here we oh. go. All right. So as you know, Dude, we've already gone through on the, this. On the, on the back of the TRX, not the front because I don't like front plates. On the back of the TRX is Y M U Y half space G A S. Yummy gas. Yummy gas. Which, by the way, I came up with, and everybody who sees that laughs immediately. Goes, that is awesome. How many people have told you that's the best plate they've ever seen? Well, I don't know. There's that been at least said, five. I don't think they've said that's the best plate. No, they I've have, been, they I have been to... standing next to you when they said that. Okay. Well, I will say that there's You're a guy- trying to minimize because you think you have a better idea. So I like the plate. I went out and got the plate and paid the, the, the extra 50 bucks to California to get the plate. So I'm rocking the Holman-designed plate on the truck. However, Mad Gamble- who has been on the show, he's a Banks engineer, he and I carpool to work sometimes, he thinks that Mopar drivers are a-holes and thinks it's funny to make fun of them, as do I, even though I'm a Mopar owner, Okay, right? Mm-hmm. He would always call Mopar drivers bro-pars, right? Yeah. Because they always want to race. It's like, oh, that dude, bro But explain bro. That's bro. like a, That's like a, at least originated in SoCal, and um, it's like a tall black socks, flat bill hat, tattoos... Vans or globes, whatever. It's just a certain like your bro, bro. You're you're a bro. You flat bill hat, the whole thing. You're 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 two stroke motocross. Whatever, yeah. rah, 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 sure. That's a bro, right? TRX to me is the if a bro hits the lottery, a bro buys the TRX. It's the king of all the bro trucks. It's what he aspires okay. to all own, right, right? All right, right. So here's me with bro par plates right here. That's dumb. You know how some plates look good when they see it? When you just look at it and the way the letters look, it just looks right? That just doesn't look right. You're just, but you, you're a hater. I am a hater. I think it's dumb. You're, you're a bro golfer? I think Is that what is, it is? You no, got your you, golfer. Yeah, par. No. You do a bro on the golf course? Is that what it is? And listen, it's an inside joke. Just the way, by the way, that Yummy Gas hey, is inside joke. What it, is B R O P A R? It's bra, bra op R? Oh, come on. 
Bropar. B-R-O-P-A-R. Hey, Bropar. What, what's Brop A-R? I'm not saying everyone's going to know what it is. If you're not a Mopar fan, you're, you're not going to have a clue. And by I the way, it looks like be, there's a half space between the P and the A. Yeah, they spaced it out a little weird, but I think that this is a funny yeah. plate. Now, yeah, yeah, guess if, so I wanna, if I want to run these plates, these Bropar plates... Mm-hmm. I have to turn in my yummy gas plates because they won't yep. give me stickers for these. Nope. I want to know from our audience at LBC Lightning or where, where should we do an imper- impartial place? No. Why would you? Because then nobody can validate. No, just truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Should, okay. license, should Lightning go with the license plates that he currently has? Yummy that gas. That are hilarious. Yummy gas. Or Bropar. Or Bropar that make fun of Mopar guys. But it's it's like you just look like a douche. How do you look like a douche? Because you're like, oh, a bro par, bro. I don't know. You just, it's. Do you whatever. don't think that people will think that it's self deprecating? No. Really? No, I think they're really going to think that that's how you are. <laughs> no, I do. Really? I swear. The, who, what bro thinks that they're a bro? All of them. They do? Yes. They, they like being a bro? Yes. I'm not aware of that. Bro is a negative term. So put it on your car? Yes. That's, I think it's funny. Just like Yummy Gas is making fun of it's a gas guzzler, right? That's funny, though. I Yummy think, gas is funny. Okay. All right. Well, all right. So what we'll do is we need to limit Bro par seems like to me like it's just like Here's what we lowest do. hanging fruit. Here's what we now, do. Hold on. Listen. It's like the lowest common denominator. It's so easy to go, oh, dude, uh, bro par. Oh, look, T-Rex. Ugh. Like it's just so yummy gas is like, that's funny. You're like, because it's a little bit childish. And you have a really high-end, expensive vehicle, and you're sort of flaunting that you don't care that it's a gas guzzler, but you also understand that there's self-awareness. It's, it's just to me, it just it, it clicks all the boxes. Bropar just you just to me, Bropar does the same thing. It's yeah. making fun of all the guys. Oh, that I'm aspire. all about making fun of you. I'm good with that. Yeah, but I am too. I think it's funny to make fun of me. But I don't think that's making fun of you. So here's what we do. Here's what we're gonna do, Holman. You guys out there listening, you're going to email us truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, and you're gonna vote. And then we're going to tally up the votes and find out which plates Lightning rocks with on the TRX. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Which plates? Yummy Gas or A, Yummy Gas, bro par. B, Bropar, C, none of the above because they're both dumb. No, there's no C. I'm doing one or the other. No, no. Listen, you can do C. He'll no, ignore you, but you, you can do it. No, you cannot do it. Don't waste our time and do a C. I'm telling you, I'm only going to do one or the other. We want your vote. Which is funnier? Which is more appropriate? Which one do you like better? Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. You're settling the debate. All right. Well, I, I think I know the answer, but I guess uh, we should go to a topic that's not debatable, and that's Nissan makes a great, rugged, dependable, reliable pickup truck, whether it's the half-ton Nissan Titan or Titan XD or the mid-sized Nissan Frontier, where you can get all sorts of features like the Fender audio system, zero-gravity seats, spray and bed liner, the Utilitrack rail system, Titan boxes in the bed. Frontier, Titan, you both get the Pro 4X off-road models. You get a Platinum Reserve on the Titans if you like the luxury side of it. Nissan offers a full line of pickups at your local Nissan dealer. You can go to NissanUSA.com where you can build and price. You can figure out which Nissan Frontier or Titan or Titan XD is right for you. And if you choose the half-ton Titan or Titan XD, you get the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Nissan has supported the Truck Show podcast almost since day one. We would love if you would support Nissan trucks as well. Uh, just let them know that Sean and Jay sent you. They'll roll out the red carpet for you at your local dealer. They don't know who we are. Oh. <laughs> you know who does know who we are? Banks. Uh, Gail Banks or the company? Uh, both. Both. I think they do. I think most of the people at my uh, office know who we are. 
I hope. I'm, I mean, nobody's ever stopped me just wandering around. <laughs> no, so. they don't. Although, uh, you're probably one of the few people that don't need a name tag. We have a new name tag deal uh-huh. at work where you have to sign in using an iPad and it prints your face and the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's I, I just randomly walk around that place from time to time and just, <laughs> no, they, they hey, where's Jay? Or, or, or sometimes they'll just ask me, are you looking for Jay? I'm like, oh, no, Gail, oh, it's over there, all right. <laughs> I know, it's, uh, it's bizarre. Just walking yeah, through a gate. We're and... on lockdown because we got that uh, Helm V contract that we're doing. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the reason I bring up banks is because you guys need a monitoring system for your truck. You're wondering what's going on under the hood or in the drivetrain. And you don't really know because, frankly, Stellantis, GM, Ford, they want you to drive in bliss. So how do you find out if your trans is slipping? How do you find out what your EGTs are? How do you know what the average miles between your regens are and your diesel pickups? What if the, you have uh, a 392 normally aspirated Jeep that doesn't even have EGTs and forced induction? What if you want to monitor all the temperatures while off-roading, but you don't want to replace your entertainment or mapping screen on the middle of your dash? What do you do then, Lightning? Banks high dash. Oh, yeah. I just got one of those. I, I You know what? To be honest, I love the iDash. I had it on the 20 with a supercharger. It gave me so much info. I really missed it in the 392. I know I'm not monitoring the same things, but we used your new stealth pod that mounts to the top of the uh, grab handle on the A-pillar, which we is We got to be careful about promoting that because it's you have the first one that's 3D printed out of carbon fiber. It's, and it's awesome. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, we, we will have it listen, soon. Listen, I'm seeding, I'm seeding the field right now. I'm, okay. I'm getting people excited about it. So I've got it. I love it because you can use your, uh, your visor with it, with the competitor product that I had on the old Jeep. You couldn't. But having all that data, eight different parameters visible at one time, the ability to data log is awesome. Just allows me to have a lot better picture of what's going on, especially with summertime coming. I've got a you know AV bumper and a winch, and it's got a lot more weight what on it. All that doing? Cooling, yeah. What's the temp off road? So right. that thing's going to be invaluable for my adventure. So I know you're talking about the trucks and bringing up the diesel and EGT and boost, and those are all super important. But for the rest of us that might have something normally aspirated, there's a huge advantage to iDash as well. For sure, go to bankspower.com and check out the iDash Super Gauge or the iDash Data Monster, which logs up to 100 parameters for a month on the supplied SD card. It opens up a whole new world. Bankspower.com. All right, well, uh, to celebrate that obnoxious hoodie that you uh, brought into the studio, not How only... How dare you! Uh, you know what? I know what we're going to do. Hmm. We're going to have the Bill Stein guys here in studio, and we'll talk to them about Bill Stein's products. So instead of me telling you what you should know... We're going to have a discussion about everything else that you should know from experts who actually work there. And uh, they're going to be on this show here right after the intro. So uh, head over to BillsteinUS.com for all the information for a great monotube shock. If you need replacement, if you need modifications, if you want more performance, you want Billstein shocks. And uh, we're going to hear from them in this episode. And you've still got time to get in on OnX Off-Road's 4th of July sale where you can save 30% off premium subscriptions and elite subscriptions to the best off-road map app, period. Use Freedom30 as the discount code at checkout to save 30% off for their 4th of July sale. Just simply go to onxmaps.com. With the premium, you get motorized trails in public lands, but if you really step up and go for the elite, you get private land ownership nationwide, motorized trails in public lands, it's down from $100 a year to only 70 bucks for their 4th of July sale. Please take our advice and take advantage and, of this. And don't forget member benefits that you get with the elite tier, not just the property ownership and things like that. They have partnerships with 21 different companies. Everybody from Warren to Rugged Radios, Method Race Wheels, and OVR Magazine, you actually get a free subscription. These are like 15, 20% off merchandise, parts, whatever. 
I mean, if you buy the Elite subscription with the Freedom 30 discount and you buy something from Warren, you basically pay for that entire subscription. Plus, you can still get OVR for free. It's the biggest no-brainer in the history of no-brainers. Or uh, at least podcasts. Right. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman Holman, this is officially the first time that we have had more than one guest in the pod shed. We have uh, five people total in this here This is right weird. Now. So remember when I told you that I was going to do a 10 by 10? Mm-hmm. I got to give uh, props out to my mom because she's like, are you sure you don't want a 10 by 12? I'm like, no, it'll be great. I'm glad we went the 10 by 12 because uh, we have everybody. So here we are. We're in the pod shed. We've got Shane Kassad from Bill Stein, Junior Africa from Bill Stein, and we're uh, all gathered around the uh, the table we're gonna we're gonna talk shocks. It's the inside job, baby. Oh. Yes, it is. It's the inside job now. Oh, it's the inside job, baby. It's time for you to share what you do. Oh. There it is. I wanted to get up and start dancing, but it's a little too small for that. Truck show, whoa, whoa. <laughs> All right, well, uh, here we are. Uh, the the pod shed with our friends from Bill Stein, and as you guys know, Bill Stein's uh, been a supporter of the the podcast for a number of years now, and uh, we talk about it all the time. All of my personal stuff is Bill Stein, and really that started with Shane and I. Uh, you know, we've known each other for like twenty years, probably even before that, because RCD, right? When we did the RCD kit on my, so it's probably been twenty two years or something crazy, and uh, we've gone on all sorts of adventures all over, and. Uh, Bill Stein was really back, you know, 22 years ago was a, was a big name in the OE. If you had a, uh, an aftermarket type package for your OE truck, you know, a off-road package, Bill Stein was always the company that they would, you know, they would work with. And then when I started to get to know Bill Stein in the aftermarket through Shane and we re- got to go in Baja to watch the races after I built my 2002 Ranger FX4 with a full, you know, uh, long travel kit on it. After we got to do wide open Baja, you know, I get to spend all these experiences. Well, on Bill Stein's. Hold on one second. So, Shane, yeah. tell me how you guys met. Well, it, back to the Ranger. So, we had a, uh, a dollar car, a Ford Ranger, way back when. A 99 we, or 2000, something like that. It was right when the body changed. Yeah. The first year of the IFS. And we worked with a company called R- RCD, which RCD was a kind of a real influential lift kit company way back when. Anyway, Sean was a big Ranger fan, and we did a coilover conversion on this ranger which was kind of like back then i was running forums i was like the moderator of offroadrangers.com and yeah like offroad rangers so yeah. he was a big ranger geek, geek. yeah guru <laughs> so that's like where guru better that's but... where we met and that was before you even started working at magazines too. yeah yeah I, was, I wasn't at magazines yet i was just a dude who was an enthusiast and hung out in the forums which is where you hung out back in the day and uh, was upgrading my Ranger, so I do posts and stuff like, hey, just put a you know K&N Fipic in, or you know, I just did you know a, a tire upgrade, and I really wanted this RCD kit because it took out the torsion bars and went to coilovers. What and, was your motivation, Holman, to put those posts up? Because you weren't a journalist back then. So what were you doing? You were trying to be a community leader. 
Yes, I was a community leader. I no, walked around the neighborhood like, at night with a flashlight no, I mean, and a comu- red beret and a like, ranger what, what, flag. And a ranger like, flag. <laughs> I mean, where, were you? What, were you? No, I just I was enthusiast. I just I I had uh, there was a lot of back then. I felt like there were a lot of people out there um, that were dispensing information that wasn't accurate or they didn't know people, and so. Through that, I got to know people at companies like Shane, who represented the product, or got to know people at different. And so then I could give my take on it after knowing from the actual people with the product. Like, hey, no, I heard this is what it is. Or no, my my buddy works there, and here's the real story. Or you know, you want to go with this suspension? Here's why. I raced on it in Baja or chased or you know all that kind of stuff. And so um, at that time, I was probably still working for the police department. And before that. When I was growing up, I had 13 magazines growing up, so 13 subscriptions. Um, I was always like that magazine-centric. I like talking to people, like telling people you know, about stuff and, and educating people. And so that's kind of why I got on the forums doing that. And then that turned into 20-plus years of automotive journalism. Trucking. Well, when I met yeah. when I met Sean, he wasn't. Yeah, the desert was it off road. Yeah, off road rangers. Off road yeah. rangers. There were two competing uh, boards at the time: off road rangers and desert rangers. Desert and we, rangers, we went yeah. at it. Yeah. <laughs> but we always talked about like going to the Mojave Road. Yep. And like back in those days, nobody ever talked about going camping out in the desert. Ever, never, ever. No, it was, it was only like wheeling, day trips. It was either wheeling or high speed stuff. Yeah. Back then, so we'd get in these long conversations about. And I'd never done the Mojave Road. It was like a. A, myth, a legend, a mythical thing. Yeah, back I mean, then. he and I bought the same book, the Cal- Southern California Backcountry Adventure. Backcountry Adventure. Yeah. yeah, and what we would do is we'd get on the phone, or maybe an email would start. We get on the phone, and he would, I go, dude, page two fifty five. What trail is that? And we look, and we'd be like, let's go do this. And so we started like using this book to plan out these day and camping trips. Where we would wheel, and then we spend a, a night in some rad spot and cook, you know, tri tip over an open fire and drink a lot of beer and hang out, and then we would head home the next day. So th- these adventures just started turning into trips, and nobody was doing that back then. Why? Why? Why was it be like now? Everyone does. No, it's it's overlanding. The, the like, scene wasn't there. Everybody was either into Baja Go Fast because of things like Best in the Desert Racing was huge in Southern California. Yeah. Score was huge in Southern California. So you either had a Go Fast truck and you hung with the race teams, or you built a. You know, back then it was like the first set of you know uh, modified I beams and stuff were hitting Rangers. But we had four wheel drive. I was a four wheel drive guy, and I wanted to make my four wheel drive go fast. And so the hard thing was there wasn't a lot of people doing that at that time. It was all about pre running. Well, all the four wheel drives were Jeeps. And at that time I was not a huge Jeep person because I wasn't into short wheelbases. I didn't really become super deep in the Jeep brand until LJ came out and you could finally have a long wheelbase Jeep because I always like pickup trucks. And so that's kind of my, where my history was. So here I am meeting Shane and he's working on this kit with RCD where I have like the number two prototype. I think they had one uh, company vehicle and mine at uh, the Bilstein vehicle. And then mine was the first consumer vehicle to test it out. And basically we're converting this torsion bar setup into being into a coilover with a much better monotube shock that you could go a little bit faster off-road. And so our thing was like, we like going fast. We love covering a lot of ground. Like I remember Shane used to have this, uh, this Jeep Cherokee called the, I called it the Stealth XJ because it was beige with tan interior. But he had these... Just disappeared right into the desert floor. Oh, yeah. Perfect. But it sat at basically stock height or just a little bit higher. And he had these crazy shocks, like a short body 5100 reservoir that he cobbled together with parts. So basically, it was a long travel shock and a short travel body. So it was compact enough to fit under the XJ. So when you looked at it, it just looked like a reservoir shock, no big deal. But it had like, what, 11 inches of travel or 10? Actually, back in those days, a reservoir shock was a big deal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. We don't even think about that now. Stack? 
Oh, yeah. How much travel did you have in that? It was like 10 or something, it was about wasn't it? 10, yeah. And so we would go out to the desert, and I remember this one trip. I had a Hummer H3 Alpha, and we went to Trona Pinnacles. And leaving the the trail or leaving Trona out the south is this whooped out road for like 20 miles or something, like the worst whoops ever. And I was trying to keep up with Shane and he's staying on top of it with his XJ on 31 inch tires, like dunk, 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 over the top. And I'm in a H1 Alpha or a H3 Alpha, which had monotube shocks on it from there, from the factory, from GM. And I was actually keeping up and staying on top, but I'll never forget. I was watching. He had a a dog with him, and it was like this Pomeranian, and I remember um, every time the, the XJ would get light, the dog would float, float. in the air, <laughs> and I'm look I'm looking right through his back window, and Shane's driving, and it's like, wonk, 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 and he's lifting up, grabbing the dog out of the space, pulling it down, <laughs> grabbing the dog out of space, pulling it down. It was the funniest thing you've ever Sounds seen. Sounds like a cartoon. But my point is that this XJ that is super unassuming, basically stock height, stock wheel and tire package, but with 10 inches of travel, could go anywhere, and it was awesome. Out in the desert. The idea was just to cover as much ground as possible. So it's like racing through the desert on your own with your with your buddies, yep. and then you'd camp out. And then you'd be by yourself. It wasn't like you were chasing a race where there's pit teams or, or roads were closed or you're camping with 50 other dudes out in the middle of the desert. It was like we were going. To, we were looking at like points of interest. We were finding ghost towns, and we were finding um, you know old historical places, and we were finding old mines. And then we crashed planes. Yeah, all that stuff. We'd go find things like that, and then we would hop. You know, we'd cover ground. We'd do like 100 miles in a day, camp, do another 100 miles, and head home or something like that. And so that's kind of how it started. Well, I did all that all the time on Bill Steins, whether it was on my, my Ranger, whether it was on my JK, whether it was on so, you know my old you know flat fender, my current flat fender has Bill Steins under it too. Obviously my 392 has uh, Bill Steins under it. So I just always stuck with the shocks that were awesome because the first time I ever did, you know, like Mojave Road stock, because of the whooped out sections are so long, it's so hot, the fade was immediate. You would literally be able to feel the suspension falling apart around you as the shocks heated up and had and, and cavitated to the point where there's no column of oil to support the piston. So it just got a really stiff ride. No, no. Loose, crashed oh, through oh, everything. the opposite. Horrible. Oh. And the first time I was able to do that trip and not have that happen was on a set of Bilsteins. And that's what sold me on the brand and monotube shocks. It's like, oh my God, I can, I can go faster, longer. I don't have to sit here and wait for my shocks to cool down. This is incredible. And I did a lot of that with Shane in the beginning. Was that because of their work in Baja or how did, where did that development come from? Well, Mercedes-Benz. Uh, yeah, Mercedes-Benz. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Bill Stein uh, developed the monotube shock, which till this day is like uh, probably the highest end of shock there is. Like any motorsports shock, whether it be on-road, off-road, is typically monotube. There's a, a dividing piston that separates the gas from the oil and keeps it from cavitating. So the oil's pressurized, and this is the, the quick... No, no. A quick rundown. And you is, don't have to be quick, by the way. The, the oil's pressurized, and it keeps it from cavitating, and you can run the shock. Bill Steins can run up to 300 degrees. That's the tech, That's our quality requirement. So you can you can run the shock at 300 degrees without cavitation. So imagine that's, this uh, this water bottle here, Lightning, mm-hmm. and you see the water that's floating in it. Yep. Imagine that that water is a column of oil. Okay, and imagine that there's a piston above that water that separates the water from the air charge here. And so that piston floats between the two, but keeps them separated so that you don't get bubbles, which is cavitation, in that oil. Because once this column of oil, represented by the water in this water bottle, like if you shake it up with bubbles like this, it no longer supports. And those bubbles go through the piston. It's no longer supporting that, and it messes up the flow through the ports on the piston. Air is compressible, and the oil is not. 
Right. Yeah. So right. you've got a piston that goes through that oil, but then you got a separate dividing piston that keeps the oil and the yeah. gas separate. And there might there's some there's obviously some air in the system, but since it's pressurized, any air bubbles that that are in with the oil are compressed. So oh. it just so it just keeps it so it's just oil. Okay. The other type of shock is a twin tube shock and it doesn't do that. And that's it, like the common like white shock you'd find yeah. on a base model on a lift kit or something. So Bill Stein developed that technology in nineteen fifty four four or 55 in conjunction with Mercedes-Benz. Any high-end, either road racing, off-road racing, they're all monotube shocks. I mean, obviously, when the patents for Bill Stein ran out, it was a patented technology for many years, but that only lasts for so long. So the reason why Bill Stein, we're out of San Diego, so the reason why Bill Stein is in San Diego is because they, um, uh, people would import Mercedes-Benz monotube shocks and put two, three of them per wheel in a Baja 1000 car. People were importing these Bill Steins into, you know, San Diego or, you know, Southern California. For all the Baja racing yeah. buggies and stuff. And that's why we're down in San Diego because of that. Why would anyone not use a monotube? Like, is it more expensive to build a monotube? Yes. Instead of a twin tube? Yes. Okay. Yes, very but much. But also, just to be fair... Twin tube has their place in the market. What it, place is that other than well, cost? Well, most, cost. most, okay, just yeah. cost. Well, okay. Most base cost. model vehicles, like a truck from the factory, is going to come with factory twin tubes. Monotubes yeah, do this stuff. Even, up. even for instance, elderly people, they want more of a compliant, comfortable, cush ride out of out of a vehicle, like a Cadillac. Whereas a monotube shock, properly tuned, is going to control that chassis to where you're not getting that and more taut, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's geared, I think monotubes geared more around the motorsports, the enthusiasts, the people who actually have a high respect for, for chassis control. Okay, so it's not 100% about cost. There are some applications where a twin tube does actually make sense Correct. for the vehicle. Again, there, you're talking about a buyers, really absolutely. plush, you know, luxury car that they just want to float over the, you know, over the highway. It makes sense in that application. Yeah, we have okay. a whole line of twin tube shocks. Our, okay. B4, our B4 line. For OE replacement dampers on all the German models, Audi, Porsche, BMW, Mercedes, we have, actually Mercedes is mostly monotube, but but uh, we have a lot of twin tube options for that entry level market. But but I think like, like say for a truck, like a Chevy truck, Ford truck, you know, they come with the twin tube. They're pretty much valves, pretty soft. They give you a comfy ride, but they fall short if you ever want to like push them off road. Or even because, towing too. I mean, you, you start getting yeah. loads and and that chassis control becomes really apparent. I and mean, we've had how many listeners write into us with emails saying, "Hey, I didn't really know what shocks to get, but because you guys talked about Bill Stein, I got them." And hey, my wife rode in it for, for the first time and asked what I did because it was the truck felt completely different. Or this truck has never r- ridden this well ever since it was new. And you know, so many testimonials of people who have used the product. And yeah, we're you know, Bill Stein sponsors the show, but it's because we believe in the product that we're. We talk about it, and if our our listeners are any indication, you guys feel the same way once you try it. Yeah. So when you when you drive a truck off the lot, it works pretty good. It rides pretty smooth. But like what Sean said, you put a trailer behind it, you reach the limit pretty quick, especially if you're going to drive on dirt trails. Yeah, especially sure. with uh, heat. Yeah, with heat. So well, the, other, the other benefit of monotube is monotube one, right? That's because the shocks are put in a single walled tube versus a twin tube, which is a, a tube inside a tube. So you're trapping heat between those walls, much like that Yeti cup over there is a twin wall stainless. Well, they do that because it wants to trap the te- you know te- 
the temperature. Well, yep. the shocks are the Hot same. Hot or cold. Yeah, yeah. so it, it heats up in there. Well, with the monotube, because it's touching the environment on one side and the oil on the other, it's naturally like shedding yeah, heat. Yeah, it rejects heat right yeah. to the atmosphere. Right. Yeah. So just like if you're on any Facebook group or forum, there's always the same questions that get asked all the time of any group, like, what size wheels and tires can I run without rubbing? What? There's all these questions, right? But one of the ones we get all the time is, I don't know what shock to buy for my application. And yes, I'd like you guys to take us through for the thousandth time, but it matters because we have a lot of new listeners that come to the show and they don't go back all 300 plus episodes for the last time you were on or a shock expert. So take us through just briefly kind of the buckets. If you do this, you should probably look at this category of shock. Yeah, it's really about qualifying, obviously qualifying their need, right? So like a guy that's just daily driving his vehicle is never going to see dirt and just wants to level it and put a little bit larger tire or 5100s are probably all he needs. It's probably more than that guy needs. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, 5100s yeah. is a great shock. Yeah. 5100 is a great shock and it allows you to level your vehicle without like destroying suspension geometry. What what people need to know is is we we built a 5100 to mitigate having to put a spacer on. With a spacer, typically what you do is you you jam it up in the top of your strut assembly or your coilover assembly but you're not doing anything to the damping. So you're changing suspension geometry with doing nothing to the damping. Whereas our 5100s, we it operates off spring preload, just like a race car. So you set preload, but also the shock is damped correctly for the additional spring preload that you're introducing. So it gives you all the ride comfort, all the, all the control you need to go put your larger tire on there and... and you know, and it's tough when people start talk, talking large tire because it's it's really determined by your wheel offset choice, right? So wheel offsets, a, it's a huge deal. Like you run a low offset wheel, you might end up with a factory size tire so that you're not beating up your fenders. You run a zero offset wheel on like a Tacoma, then you can maybe run a 285 with minimal trimming. The offset really is the total end result of what tire size you're going to run. That doesn't, uh, it's not discussed that way very often. I mean, yeah. we know that offset is important for what well, well, guys are thinking about, well, think about rubbing. The, well, yeah, rubbing on these, but here's, what's, ha- here's what's happening is you have on a solid, let's say a solid axle with a straight up and down shock. You have a one-to-one motion ratio. That means for, you know, every movement of axle in suspension, you have the same movement in the shock. Well, you start doing IFS and you look at, you know, long travel like a Raptor or something. Well, the way they're getting extra travel, the shock is inboard. They're moving the wheel ends out. And so that contact patch in the middle is further away. Well, because the leverage point is so much further out, that's how they're getting extra travel. So now they have to control extra travel within that same stroke of shock. So now you have to have the technology in valving because having more leverage out on the end so is so much be, more force right, right. Well, you're Which, doing this exact same thing with a high offset wheel with wheels sticking out as you're moving that contact patch outboard but you still have the same stroke shock in the same location but you've changed mm. the motion ratio and that's why upgrading your suspension with the wheel and tire package is so uh, you know is so important especially with shocks is because that valving is going to be completely changed by putting your wheels further away from where the pivot point is, is it exponential like moving the wheel and tire out from like a uh, a zero offset to a plus 20 or 30 or something like how does it directly relate mathematically to what you need to do to the shock? For example, like if I move it out an inch, does that mean that I have to go twice as stiff on the valving? No. Or, you know what I'm saying? So like, when you're dealing with a one-to-one motion ratio, 
like like Sean was talking about, you have a solid axle. Let's just, let's say a Jeep TJ or an LJ. He loved an LJ. So do I. They're great. <laughs> um, you put a the proper sounds like a song. By the way, he loved an LJ. <laughs> Tonight, so you put a proper coast. I so like you the lift JL. these things. You <laughs> lift these things. Yeah, I love the you, JL you lift an too. LJ. The proper back spacing, and at that timeline was you know a fifteen eight with a three and three quarter inch. Yep. You when a, when you're dealing with a one to one motion ratio, you don't do anything necessarily to the damping, like an LJ. The factory spring weight rate was maybe 175, 180 pounds. Whereas when you get more aggressive motion ratios, you need more aggressive spring rates, which require more more increase in damping. So because you're damping now a far heavier spring due to the motion ratio. You need more damping to control all that additional mm. kinetic spring. And uh, obviously the extra weight of an aftermarket wider rim and upgraded wheel and tire size too, Correct. right? You have to take all that into account. And again, that's where the spring rate comes in Correct. to that part of the equation. Wait, I thought you were going to start talking about long arm and motion ratio. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, we could talk about that. I, let's, let's do talk about that. So, so, so I mean, you here, got, here's, here, everyone wants a quote unquote long travel suspension, right? And what does that do to you? Well, you know, here's the, here's the problem. Whether you're it makes me running happy. a Bill Stein, whether you're <laughs> running a King, whether you're running a Fox, the worst thing you can do is, let's just say you, you put a total chaos kit on your first gen taco. You put an eight inch travel. Wait, wait, that's the worst thing you do is put a total. No, 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 no. So foundationally, you start with a chaos kit, like a, like a 13 inch travel chaos kit on your first gen taco. You put an eight inch coil over that's just default valving profile. You put a secondary bypass on there and you just drive it. Like the problem is, is you think it's great. Me or Shane or Sean get in that car and we're like, this sucks. This is terrible. Because I think there's a lot of people who aren't experienced, get into a long travel kit, and they mistake or confuse travel with ride quality. Correct. I've been in nine-inch travel vehicles that ride way better and are way can w- drive way faster than an out-of-sorts 12, 13, 14-inch long travel because vehicle. Because it's tuned right, and you got, mm-hmm. the camp, you got the confidence to blow through that eight inches of travel, yeah. whereas now your 13-inch travel kit hasn't been tuned correctly. Junior, I've always had that confidence. Yeah. Well, what? So, Junior, what is it doing in that in that total chaos scenario? Well, it's just that not damped correctly. So, so but, and am, am I like, what's happening as I'm going through the whoops? Like, uh-huh. what is it? What am I feeling? What everything? You're using all the travel. You're 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 and you're and you're not using it as linear as it should be used. So, theoretically, like when I when I would build these trucks, I would pull all the damping out of the coilover, see how it felt with the default valving where I could turn tubes to adjust it. On a truck that light, 3.4 liter V6, you don't need all that valve. Well, that's the other thing. Other people, you know, a lot of people, they think they need the biggest bodied shock possible. But like what I learned through Shane and through the Bilstein guys over the years is piston diameter, so body size, mm-hmm. actually adds spring rate to it. So if you have a lightweight vehicle, you don't need a three inch shock on that, right? And the other thing, and going to what Junior was talking about, is you're asking what's the difference on a vehicle that's not set up properly going through the whoops and you're bottom out, top out, bottom out, top out. That's not what you want. Being on your jounces, either on the rebound side or on the compression side, is equally bad. And it wears out components. It's hard on the frame. It's hard on the... And remind people what a jounce is. It's your end stop control. So either microcellular, a hydraulic bump stop, a JCO... So you don't, you're not time. slamming metal into metal. Urethane grommet, all whatever that. you... Whatever, whatever yeah, you whatever decide. it is, it's the end, the end stop control of a suspension. What you want is for that suspension to breathe. 
you don't want it to be using 100% of its travel because you're out of sorts. And then that acts, that makes the front end and rear end act on each other. It makes the chassis out of sorts. You want to be in the middle using up like 75%. So you have breathing room if you are going through and there's a truck gobbler in the middle. You still have overhead to hit that and be fine and not have the chassis set up. So for me, like when I'm evaluating suspension, especially on like new vehicles, like if I'm going, going out and I'm driving a, a new truck or, or SUV, and I'm in that kind of train. I want to feel it breathe. I want to feel mm-hmm. it equally on rebound as as I do on compression, and let the the ride motions sit in the middle of that shock, up and down, letting the suspension work as the chassis goes through. Because the second you bang off the stops, everything changes. So you want about you're in the middle fifty, and there's a top twenty five percent and a bottom twenty five. I mean, I would say right? yeah, I would say maybe middle seventy or something like that. So so the the thing is 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 is, is to the people listening, if you put a long travel kit on there, you put a coilover bypass, an, ex, ex, you know, an external like nitrogen bump stop, it, it, you get hit in the pocket real heavy, you know, because these kits are what, thirteen, fifteen thousand $15,000. But here's the key. You're not done yet because you need to go pay $2,000 for someone to properly tune it. Mm. Because these are just off the shelf shocks that are going on there that had no idea what they would end up on. This you, feels like a... a a, a race car that comes without a tune and you Correct. just, you exactly just take it, it to a track. Right. Yeah. You've got to spend hours and hours and hours at that specific track even, maybe, right? right? Like, so, here's what I'm going to set the car up for. So I'll take this opportunity. So what Bill Stein does is there's basically two different lines of shocks. You have your direct replacement where it's going to replace something on your vehicle. It may, it may be something that's zero to three inch lift or what, like a leveling or a replacement for a lift kit or whatever. And then you have the race shock line. So the, the ones that are direct replacement where you're bolt taking off a shock, you're putting a new one on, those are tuned specifically for your vehicle. Bill Stein's already taken out the guesswork of that and you can bolt those on with assurances that it's gonna ride great on your vehicle. If you get a 2010 F250 and you go and buy Bill Stein 5100s, that shock's gonna work and ride great on that truck. But if you have a custom application, Bill Stein makes a bunch of different variations of their shocks, different piston sizes, body, different technology that comes with what Junior's talking about, baseline, and then you would have to go have those tuned. And you're looking at extended length, collapsed length, what the eyes are on it, you know, is it a stem mount, is it an eyelid, all that different stuff to figure out if that will package within what you're trying to do. So... When, you're cut, when it comes to shocks, there's two different things you're looking at. Do you want direct replacement that somebody's already done the tuning for you and that's more of the mild builds? Or do you want something fully custom that you can completely control and so you have those options? Which How? brings me to this. You could take one of our 8112s that's tuned, like as, as Sean stated, that's tuned for the vehicle. Has the, it has it has an, a sixty millimeter piston, 60 so two point six five diameter. Right, it has internal jounce. It has the JCO and the RCO. I would challenge anyone anyone to outperform that suspension setup with an untuned long travel kit. It's even, good. I, you know what? I'm going to be confident enough to say even with a long travel kit that's been moderately tuned, I think the 8112 will chew it up. And, 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 and I'm confident and I'm confident when I say it, I'm confident. And I've done this for 25 years. This Sean, to me, this feels a lot like ECM tuning. Yeah, very much so. Very much where Mm -hmm. a guy buys a race car or a truck, and he immediately wants to tune it. He's going to go to a guy in a corrugated steel building, and he's going to pay the guy $1,500 or more to tune it and try to outperform, get more out of the, the fuel and air tables, do a better job than General Motors could have done with PhDs. 
you know, guys working on tuning. Like, uh, what is it? So this is the direct correlation. Like some guy who just is like a an enthusiast that's got a laptop is going to out tune General Motors. Well, it, when it comes well, to, well, General Motors tunes with 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 reliability in mind. It, General yeah. no, Motors I get, tunes. So, with, but what I'm saying is, it's it's possible. It is possible to get more out of that vehicle. Hundred percent. But look at look at the BMW N54 motor. R- r- that okay, thing comes great. to the to the customer at 300 horsepower, 300 foot pounds of torque. You can go do a simple tune. And get that thing into the 450 horsepower range, which many do, but, but they're the dead in their driveway. Yeah. They're dead in their driveway. You know what I mean? Because as at like suspension, one thing leads into the next, leads into yeah, the you next. You have to, you know, next. it goes back to for me, Gran Turismo or Gran Turismo Two on PlayStation, where you would try and tune your suspension, yeah, and you get so out of whack with compression and rebound and value, and trying to do it just in that simple setting that you're like. How do I zero this back out to get well, back to my feels baseline? Like you're, but you're just chasing it. Right. Now you're right. chasing well, that, the dragon if forever. If you don't right? know what you're doing, you can mess your suspension up too, especially on an adjustable shock like a bypass. Well, I guess I, to, to put a button on the ECM thing is that I think that there are plenty of guys who, like our friend Corey Willis, who's really good at what they do, and they can get more to the vehicle with a BMW or a truck, whatever it is. But that's a decision you as the, as the vehicle owner are you going to go down that road and are you willing to continue to tweak that vehicle and that ECM to get more out of whatever the application is? Are you street racing? You're going on to track, whatever, like you got to go be committed to that highway. Right. You know what I mean? That pathway. And Otherwise, understand the direct effects it's going to have on whether it's leaning the vehicle out or whether, you know what I mean? Whatever ma- remapping that's going to, the end result of that's going to be. So your long travel situation where the guy with the, triple bypass and all this other stuff like he's opening up a can of worms that he needs to commit to right right? you know how many bypass shocks i see right next to a coilover that aren't even in the proper ride zone like they're not they're in a compression zone at ride height it's just imperative wherever you spend your money just make sure that whoever you're talking to understands your need is able to meet your need and then can follow up and make sure that the suspension's working good. Is and this there, is, I think, this is the reason why why Shane, as a product manager of Bilstein, went down the 8112 route, because this shock is ex- extraordinary. So it gets rid of any external bump stop need. It get it has a rebound cutoff zone. So, so it does everything a long travel kit does within one unit, well, essentially. Well, I, I, I helped to develop on my old JK, the 8112, double bypass for for jk's and you know shane and i were talking he's like what do you think if you had a list of suspension upgrades and you know he wanted to kind of compare my thoughts with what he was thinking what bilstein was thinking and i'm like i would love to see a direct replacement two two bypass for a lifted jeep i said everybody sells a coil over and bypass you got to weld on brackets and all this stuff and by the way to junior's point if you weld your brackets in the wrong spot and your your shock is now in the compression zone at ride height you've got major problems you right. have a fifteen hundred dollar two two thousand dollar shock that isn't going to work right yeah, you're, you're, shutting shutting short, right. you're shutting off yeah. the short tube just yeah. so that it's not it, it's you're not even yeah. you're not even going to use why you got that shock you just it's just eye candy at that point so that's important but but going back to it so you know shane and i were talking it's like well every jeep out there is lifted three inches like it'd be nice to take off the shock put on a bypass but retain the the regular coil spring not a coilover because then you can put bypass shocks on your jeep and not have to weld any bracketry. Any mm-hmm. lift kit could use it. They're mm-hmm. bypassed, so you can dial it in. 
And so I helped prototype on my JK, and I'll tell you to this day that was the best suspension I've ever yeah, had. Yeah, you told me that today. Yeah, I mean, it and was I'll tell you unbelievable. Why. I'll tell you why. Everyone thinks that the best modification is to get rid of everything that Jeep did, and that's not the case. Like I get guys that want to be sponsored all the time. That I want to do a double throwdown kit, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, right? I'm not saying, it, but the amount of tuning that's involved to get that vehicle to operate like Sean's JK with a bolt-in bypass. Is, is a ton of money, it's a ton of maintenance, and it ju it's just not needed. A ton of noise. A ton of noise. And and now you you you've changed you've changed direction of the shock. They're pointing, they're you know, they're pointing forward. So now you have more side load on the damper. Now you have, you know, brackets that weren't tested by the OE that are just welded onto a chassis that you don't know how 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 well that's gonna support. And I try to tell people, you have a far more tunable option keeping a good quality coil. Whether you're dealing with like a Curry progressive rate or an Icon triple rate or a Synergy progressive or any kind of quality spring like that, you have more tunability with a 2-2 bypass yeah. and a good quality coil spring. And I'll tell you, on that on that bypass shock on my JK, which you guys just rebuilt for the guy who owns my old JK not too long ago because you're uh, releasing or just released that that shock out in the marketplace. Just but, releasing, probably in like in two weeks. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. this has been years in <laughs> yeah, the making. Yeah. yeah. But I ran out of that. So just to go back. My my JK was uh, on a basically an Evo Enforcer kit, a three and a half inch, thirty sevens, uh, Dynatrack Pro Rock forty four in the front. We basically left in those Evo coils, put in the bypass shocks, and tuned it. That was a manual transmission, and on a JK, the manual has a a really um, short, let's see, so I think it's a, a long second, short third, and a long fourth. There's like a big gap between three and four. Mm -hmm. I actually ran out of horsepower before I ran out of suspension damping. I 100%. could outrun third gear and hit the limiter, which is like something, I don't know, 80 miles an hour or something on those shocks mm -hmm. and still be in control on a solid axle, basically stock setup with adjustable arms and things like that. A very simple kit and had, I want to say, 11 inches of travel out of that, something like that. Yeah, you, you, yeah your, and your like, suspension's faster than the vehicle. And that's and, and this is another thing about that 8112 kit that, that Shane was heavily part of the development is, is I challenge you. You're putting a suspension on your vehicle for less than $5,000 that's faster than the car it's going on. Totally. <laughs> totally. You will run out of... How do I say this? Guts? Yeah, you run out <laughs> of guts to keep that throttle pushed, but the suspension will still be absorbing all the hits. Well, the, like the, the idea behind that 8112, though. So you had a Tacoma. Let's go back to, to the Tacoma with the long travel kit. So 13 inches of travel. Tacoma has about 10 by the time you put this shock on and do an arm or whatever. But the idea is so that the long travel kit requires all this extra stuff. Welding on the frame. If you didn't take the battery off when you did it, you fried the whole ECU, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you got to be really careful with that. You got limit straps. You've got this welded bracket. You've got this widened axle or widened suspension. You've got now you need um, Tundra, fenders. Thunder half shafts. Now you need fenders. Now you need some guy who was smoking crack and put a CV together, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, it's all not well, tested. Well, because it's just the center section, a T100 center yeah. section, and they give you the cages and the bearings and everything. And it's, it's all not it's all not tested. So go back to what you said, the engineers at Toyota. Millions and millions and millions of dollars were spent on that suspension. So why not put a shock right there that's going to maximize what they did? And, and the that's whole what the thing is, The is. whole thing is it's, it's cataloged as 13 inches of travel. 
you blow through seven and a half inches of it and it not being tuned right, you feel like you've hit 13 yeah. inches at seven inches of travel. Mm. Dependent on who's putting it together, can you really get 13 inches? Is it bumped correctly? Is it strapped correctly? I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. Whereas, like I said, I I, I, I challenge there's any... So, it's, it's, there's so much that can go wrong. So much. I want to compare like the 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 shop you you there's shops all thousands and thousands of shops that sell your products and competitors, and they will install them. And some require tuning and some don't. The shops that buy the shocks that require tuning, are they putting in the hours to tune them the way that you do when you go to I would Mojave? Say some, some some do. Okay, some of the shops that specify in that. Like you got shops that are that are very specific, like like kind of race shops, like that are more focused on performance builds rather than aesthetic builds. And you got guys out there that'll tune them. So real quick, I just threw up on the TV there lighting. That's uh, my old JK. Okay. With the, looks like it's fully drooped out. Uh, so that's the two two bypass. Okay. Bit, that is the eighty one twelve prototype right there. You can see how much travel that's getting out of it and see how compact everything fits. It's using all the stock mounts in order. The only thing that's not stock is the mount for the reservoir. Mm-hmm. Everything else bolts into place and you basically have the benefit of having an adjustable bypass without having to weld on your frame and, and do all this stuff. Like all and stock stock bump stops. Yeah. It's yeah. just bump stop fits like a glove. on the axle. Yeah. 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 yeah when you start trying to put a coil over on a Jeep and first off, like your Jeep's limited with travel because of the drive line. You don't have unlimited travel with a Jeep. You have about 11 inches, right? And if you did a coilover, it's not going to change that. So right. why mess with it? Right. Just leave that stuff alone and, then and put the best shot for a coilover, like getting the correct spring rates and dual spring. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not. So easy. that's a three and a half inch lift on 37s completely drooped out and tucking in the fender well with the Bilstein 8112s. That's my old Jeep right there. Yeah. And you can see. Is that Sean? Is that Steve? Uh, the other Steve Von Segren's old Jeep. Yeah. yeah. That was up there a second ago. I've got some more photos here, just so lightning can visualize. So there's completely stuffed in the front. So what I'm seeing is your coil spring is really compressed, and then that's and completely drooped f- out, all on the, the way other drooped side. out. Yep, look at that. And so not only the, the the dirty little secret I've said this on the show before that I think is funny is if you build a Jeep or a vehicle to go slow, you can't go fast. But if you build one to go fast, you can still go slow. And this is the perfect example of that. This Jeep was built with those shocks, those 8112s, to go fast over the desert and cover ground. But I can loosen up the tubes. I can go crawl the same day without any major change except for a couple adjustments on on the tubes on those bypass. And you can see I still have full articulation out of it, fully stuffed on one side and fully drooped out on the other, doing anything that I'd want to do in that thing. How long would it take you to make those adjustments? Five, ten minutes? If that. that. Yeah, now Bill Stein's adding click adjusters. Yeah, they'll Those be are coming up yeah, soon. It'll be they'll be released easy. with a click, so you just go up and go click, click, click. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Where are you guys with electronics and and adding electronics to your? By the way, Jay has a TRX, so yeah. No, I'm curious. Like, yeah, with a TRX, that's obviously electronically controlled, right? Mm-hmm. How about semi-active? For, semi-active for the consumer. There's some competitors that are out there that allow you to dial it in as you drive. Where's Bill Stein? Well, all of our systems are OEM, and they're they're dependent on the OEM ECU. So we don't have a standalone, really. We packet. did. But we it actually seems like- did. We we didn't. We build one for AV, but the cost was like with the, the that that full active with the fifty one sixties. We did something that had like 
pretty limited capability as a prototype, mm-hmm. and it ended up costing a lot of money. And I think I mean, just too know, much for the consumer. I think so. Yeah. So so I think that system might have cost retail a couple grand, and I think you can probably get into these things for maybe four. Yeah. And the performance on the bypass, and it was on a Jeep, by the way. The performance on the bypass is going to blow away a 46 millimeter shock with a, you know, electronic valve. Okay. So I think the systems that we run, like on the TRX, are way more advanced, and but they require a lot of inputs from the car, and that's how they work. And those were kind of derivatives of some uh, OEM like Mercedes Benz, back to Mercedes again. Mm-hmm. That's where that stuff was developed. And the TRX is like a larger version. Than the Alfa Romeo Skyhook, right? Yeah, Skyhook. Yeah. So well, remind me what that was again. Well, well, so when it was a philosophy of damping that uh, Bill Stein applied, whereas in the past, the damping was how do you control each wheel, right? To make sure that the body's flat, you just control it off the wheel. Skyhook was, imagine a crane came from the sky, and what you're trying to do is let the wheels do whatever they want under the vehicle as long as the body stays parallel to the ground. So rather trying to control each wheel and be reactive, it's trying to be proactive by keeping the entire body level. And so it's just a different tuning philosophy. I think it was like more, I don't know, Shane, if you agree, but I think it was like more um, like holistic, like a whole chassis approach rather than maybe axle or wheel end specific. It's just like, like Porsche PASM systems, like, like they're, they they operate off in individual dampers per corner. So, and and, and every manufacturer's tried to do it with MagRide, with X-Rayus and Toyota, with like it's kind of more like when 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 a corner of the of the vehicle is getting more force put into it, hydraulic fluid will pump into that damper to firm it up. Yeah, so our systems are super advanced, but they're they're like all OE level. They tune on a laptop. Kind of like Fast and the Furious. Remember, right. Remember he's tuning the ECU? <laughs> yes. Well, our shock tuners are in the front seat on a laptop yeah. tuning the suspension and, and all the inputs that are coming. So it's we don't have anything that simple. I mean, honestly, with like our 8100 system, that would probably be really – well, I'll tell you one thing. To, do a, to put a box in your car, a standalone box, aftermarket box, would cost a fortune to be able to talk to the shocks and get all those inputs that you're getting. So I, I just don't know if the value's there. How much adjustability would you need on top of what, for example, like on my TRX, it's got already sand, sport, Baja, all these different modes that change the damping. Yeah. And among other things. Among other the, things. The yeah, whole so car approach, right? Each one of those right. chains doing drivetrain and throttle tipping and all sorts of but stuff. But I guess I'm looking at a vehicle that maybe it's, again, I have an old JK that I, I got a lot of money to burn and I have a JK and I love the truck. And I, I just want something that's... 8112s. 8112s, right. That, so at that point, you don't need so, on-the-flight so adjustability. A lot of, a lot of the saying. active damping stuff, too, and like a lot of the, you know, the, the competition stuff that's out there, like we're finding out that doesn't behave really well in race applications. So it's not like the speed of light, which some people assume. Like the stuff... I mean, these vehicles are going so fast through super heavy hits that this active technology or semi-active technology or live technology isn't reacting as fast as it should. So everyone is now in the race scenes going back to manual adjustment bypasses because you just get, you, you, it's, it's. You're there. saying, are, are you saying that the processing power 
of the computer that's controlling it's not fast the enough. it's not so there's a th- it's not fast some enough. kind of 30 millisecond delay or something that's just there's a delay where right. they're not getting the the damping force i'm looking for my yeah. old uh, trx article that i wrote on the trx first drive I'm, i'll see if i can pull it up here i actually have what the bill stein uh in the trx versus the uh the raptor um uh, how fast the tuning is and it's it's significantly different it's it's not like a little bit it's significant i'll see if i can find it here while you guys are talking but um yeah you have to not only do you have to have a computer that's fast enough you also have to have mechanisms that are adjusting making the you know the mechanical changes on the fly as well so there has to be motors of some sort right it's just not reliable for us for for recreational applications magnetic yeah magnetic yeah for i think for recreational applications i think it's great if you got the money to spend for real race use applications the old school is going to always always win over the any kind of adaptive type damping. I, I think like with the case with the TRX, so we worked on that program for years. Any, so Three I, years. Thank so you for bringing that up. It so, wasn't like just like something that fall out of the sky. It was... So no, tell me how that got started because... Here, let me just jump okay. in really quick. Oh. So it was on my, my, uh, my Raptor uh, first drive. The uh, Raptor's Fox shocks can enable up to 1,000 pounds of damping force per corner. By the way, they're only compression side, whereas the TRX compression and rebound side and are infinitely you know adjustable 80 milliseconds response to train with 80 milliseconds will the blackhawk e squared shocks at nearly zero shaft speed double it by 0.5 meters per second triples it at 1.0 meters per second and the bill stands can go from zero to max force in just 12 milliseconds wow so from 12 to 80 that shows how fast the computing power is in the trx to be able to make those adjustments on the fly and read the terrain. It's pretty incredible. It's really fast. Let's talk about the Blackhawk E-squareds because I don't want you to just blow past and say it took a couple of years and some a bunch of engineers and then we move on. Like That is a significant milestone, I think, in shock technology. Were you there through all of it? I was not. No, I wasn't. I, I know a little bit about it, but I was... What, I know, do, you, what do you know about it? Well, it's... Uh, Bill Stein has a lot of great electronic technologies... I mentioned Mercedes-Benz and a lot of European cars and things like that. Our guys that worked in our OEs, so we're in the aftermarket division, and we have an OE division, and they wanted to apply that technology to a truck, right? So, and it, and it comes down to SRT. We were on all the SRT vehicles, on the Challenger, you know, the what are the ones? The, the Tra- Trailhawk, Charger, Challenger. Trailhawk, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a giant version yeah. of that. Trailhawk. You know? Our our company is invested. Oh, yeah, tra- sorry, Trackhawk. Yeah, mm-hmm. our company's invested in that technology, and they wanted to. When SRT was going to bring out a truck, we had to be on it. Basically, we kind of on our own, stepped up to the plate and and developed prototypes, and it was a multi-year well, process. And I remember driving in one of those prototypes that had a four-channel on a white RAM, where you could push the button, go from marshmallow smooth to rock hard. And it was like a real rudimentary, early, early version of what the TRX was. And I wasn't told what it was going on. Just that, hey, go for a ride and check this out. That yeah. was pretty incredible. Bill Stein really believed, our OE, our OE division really believed that this was the technology we needed to bring to that truck. And they made it happen. So it's, it, you know, they had, they had to do a lot of, um, you know, R&D for that. Because it was like you take, they take the valves off of uh, what they had. They had to make them bigger. They had to make them flow more make it more durable, put it in an aluminum body, make it bigger, bigger shafts. Uh, incidentally enough, the the front of the TRX has zone control, which is from our 8112, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, the no bottom kidding. out stop and, and, we also and the had JCO. A, and yeah. we also had to get stronger shafts built. 
Yeah, stronger shafts. Because like, we they were blowing through them. There was the suspension was so intense that it was folding piston rods. So we had to go to a so it was seven eighths or something like that. No, we had to go to a different material. Different mm-hmm. material. Together. Yeah, a different material grade. Yeah, twenty two millimeter yeah. front piston. There's rods. a lot of shock technology. I mean, if you remember back from our previous Billstein episode talking about that with Jason, even the wiper seal technology is different. As they wear, the Billsteins get tighter. Whereas other competition can get looser and let contaminants in. And Mopar, I guess, was really excited because at 100,000 miles of wear, the shock oil still passed their test. Whereas the competitor's product was gone after 30 or 40 in their test or something like that. Yeah. And this is this goes back to our heritage, though. You know what I mean? This is this is Bill Stein even trying to to meet OE quality for the aftermarket. And, and, and you know, we take quality and, and longevity very serious you know so like you get guys that have like porsche 911s or edc systems on their bmws and they they come to us because we built that system and we have a plug and play coil performance coil over kit whereas any other competitor you're gonna have to override that system and basically make all the the sensors dead so that you can have a, a right so you don't have system. dash lights and, and and suspension failure lights on the other thing i'll say is you know bill stein has been a tier one supplier which is the top of the supply chain for a very long time. And what you're getting in the aftermarket, to Shane's point about why you know Bill Steins are, are great shocks, is it's not just the sh- way the shock is manufactured or the way it works. They're using the same type of rubbers and things that they would use on a factory vehicle that lasts 150,000 miles. You're getting that same technology and rubbers on the Bill Stein aftermarket shocks. So they're not going to crack and squeak and all that stuff that goes into being quiet and durable. All that technology transfers over to the aftermarket side, too. I wish I would have brought my work phone because Von Sagren sent me an email. A guy saying that he lives up in Canada. He drives nothing but Chevy HDs. One of them has his second set of 4600s on there. The truck has 1.12 million miles on it. Wow. His new 15... The first thing he did when he bought the truck was put a set of 46. He calls them HDs because that's old yeah. That's old nomenclature. Yeah. Basically, it's a direct replacement, no extra travel. Right. Just an no. OE direct yeah. fit replacement. It's called a 4600. 4, yeah. 600. So you know what he? You know what Steve did? Sent him a call tag for four shocks that clocked 728,000 miles. And he said that he, he he's going to happily buy another set. But he wants to send us this these shocks so that we can dissect them and see. He says it took 728,000 miles before he started feeling any sort of compromised damping. And, and your crazy, book yeah. tells you to replace them every 80 to 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not te- obviously not telling anyone to drive your shocks for 700. But I, I miles, think that's but. that happens a lot with a place that I work and 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 always versus uh, many times aftermarket is. You got all the guys that buy these crazy bypass shocks and they're they're tunable and they have to be rebuilt and all that stuff. But the big Bilstein, the German Bilstein, it's OE. And to get that business, you can't have failures. You need to last X number of miles. They have to endure. And you have they to prove it. They have to endure. And you have to prove you it. You have to yeah, prove they, it. They don't you want to be paying for you warranty. Know, you know how many 36 millimeter cause, – because I – I've turned wrenches in this industry. I've, I've sold in this industry. So you know how many 36 millimeter first generation Toyota Tundra dampers that I've taken off with 320,000 miles and the rubber grommet is still fine? Still fine. Hmm. This is another reason why I don't understand why people always are so 
intrigued to go with Heim joints. And, yeah, well, and, Heims are awful on the street. They're terrible. And and wear out fast, and polyurethane squeaks or can crack. And you that's know what, what I'm saying is- You know where they are? Because it's shiny when you open the box. Yep, yep. Literally, it looks good on Instagram. But, that, but that's the thing about the Bilsteins is you are getting- that OE level of durability built into your aftermarket shocks. And that's another reason why I like them. So I want to talk to you guys have a bunch of new stuff coming out. This is going to be a huge year for Bilstein. We talked about the 8112s. There's a whole line of those uh, coming out. Maybe, Shane, if you want to just touch really quick on what's an 8112, just and then we'll move on because I think I want to hit up your uh, the uh, the UTV stuff and then move on to some of the truck stuff. Okay. Well, 8112 is a coilover that is position sensitive, that has a technology called zone control that's got a hydraulic bump stop inside of it, two-stage, and it has a hydraulic rebound stop. Now, that's, that, that's a coilover, and then we also have an 8100 that would be a standalone shock, and that could be a bypass, a smooth body, and we're going to be releasing a new technology called a dual-speed adjustable. Which, hold, hold on. That's the one I'm the most uh, excited about. <laughs> You don't say. Yeah, no. I will Dual on. speed adjustable. Dual speed adjustable. So it's a new uh, inline adjuster that goes on a reservoir, and you can adjust high high speed and low speed compression. And on the 8112, uh, we're also, um, when, when we offer that on the Tacomas, we're also offering a JCO, internal jounce stop adjuster. So the 81, we, 8112, you can get the dual speed of compression and a jounce adjuster. We call that a DSA+. plus. How, Three adjustments. How does that work? Meaning, how is it adjusting for two? You're talking about when you say dual speed, you're meaning like, like compression circuit, rebound circuit. Okay. No, no. This is a, yeah. this will be a low speed and a high speed compression. Yeah. And your bottom out control is going to be your jounce. Control. Jounce, got it. Yeah. Yeah. So at the top of the shock where the jounce is yeah. internally, there's an adjuster at ten clicks where you can adjust the jounce. Okay. The bottom out. So the the DSA is an inline a, a remote reservoir adjuster. It has a gold low speed, gold valve, and a blue valve or knob. And basically what it's doing is creating pressure. The gold knob will kind of set the timing of when that compression spike. It's basically a pressure spike. So you're controlling a spike. So if you, if you uh, at low speed or high speed, you're controlling the pressure in the shock. And that's what's um, uh, kind of giving you that compression adjustment. Uh, for me, what's really useful... Putting up on the uh, screen for for lighting so he can see what the inside of the shocks look like. Yeah, that is the zone control. And this is kind of our answer to internal bypass. So, so internal bypass technology has been around for quite a while, but it's a tube within a tube that has holes drilled into it. And it's, so it's not a monotube because it's a tube within a tube. Even though it uses monotube technology. So that main piston where that purple color is there, that shrinks down in order to be now housed into the inner tube of an internal bypass. So when you see, I'll just say it, I'll be the one to say it. If you see a, Fox changed all the marketing. So for example, Bill Stein does millimeters. So 60 millimeters, the two and a half inch class, but it's actually a 2.65. When you see a Fox internal bypass where they say it's a 2.5, it's actually smaller because they're giving you not the piston size like Bill Stein does, they're giving you the body size. And the piston's smaller because there's two tubes in there. Right. And on an internal bypass, that inner sleeve or inner wall is drilled at very specific places, and those are your ride zones, and those are the bleed ports. But the way that shock is developed is the tuning is very linear because you kind of tune for where you want to be really good, and it, you sort of get what you get at the other ends. With zone control, 
you still have that full adjustment in a monotube. And now instead of making it harder at the ends with valving, you're using this JCO, for example, which is kind of like a chalice, which is an additional, think of it, a hydraulic shock inside the shock That's that the compresses one. and can take in a tremendous amount of pressure to slow down the shock at the ends you, and that's you, what's yeah, really cool you wouldn't believe how much damping force is 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 ramped up once that first zone kicks in that little piece where it's blue going into blue right there flask. on the flask there so it's basically it's the inside of the piston rod has a pad to land on that also telescopes and contracts inside the shock a you don't have to do a jounce pad or a can or a mounting you know way to mount a can on the outside but that little thing inside an 8100 replaces a two-inch hydraulic bump stop that you would weld a mount for on the outside. So from a packaging standpoint, it's one less component, one less bracket. It's all internal to the shock, and that's what and makes it. And it's telescoping. So you have those on the front shocks, the JCO of your TRX. Okay. So you're saying this blue section up here, this uh, the piston will go into uh-huh. the uh, bottom half the, a the receiver, it mates the blue section. So this, the, this is the, my internal jounce here. Uh-huh. Is it going inside of it or stopping where it meets the blue? No, no, no. It goes in. Okay. And then when the outer flask hits it, the secondary jounce kicks in. So it basically goes in, and once it bottoms out, it pushes the whole thing in Wait, again. So this one goes into that one? Yeah. Th- this, yeah. Oh, my God. The I telescopes. can't. This is like That's a... That's when it, you hit hard on your front here, the dunk on the front end, your yeah. TRX. This That's looks those engaging. Like the engineers call it a decoupled piston. So you want to know what's piston. bizarre? Huh. One of the one of our engineers that was heavily involved in the project beats the life out of his fourth generation forerunner. The life. The life out of him. <laughs> he, so it just had to go through a full frame reconstruction because the frame was cracked in all kinds of different locations. It's pedal of the metal all the time in yeah. the desert. But we took that flask apart. That he took that flask apart. That that JCO, and he says it actually performs better. With all the hard miles on it, than it did on the initial time that they put it in. Hmm, it's been worked in. That's yeah, interesting. he says it's better than new. He was blown away. So in the eighty-one twelves, the DSA plus, we're going to have an adjuster knob that you can adjust that JCO on the top. You can externally adjust externally it for adjust for harder hits. Yeah, you. I mean, who's? I guess it's Holman who's using that. How many of your customers? Yes, please. So. We talk about things like diesel inappropriateness, where you buy a big diesel pickup truck when really- And then commute around town without ever telling. Yeah, yeah. When you should have a gas or a three liter instead of a 6.6 liter diesel. How many guys, and does it drive you crazy? And it's probably guys like me, by the way, because I love shiny objects, right? And I want to buy the best thing I can afford. How many guys are buying- The best looking thing you can afford. Yeah. How many guys are doing shock inappropriateness, buying way Tons. too much shock Tons. for their truck. Tons. More than you can imagine. And but how do you do, how here's do you the talk nice them part about this? Well, you qualify. You It's back to qualifying their needs. Their want fars outweighs their needs these days. But the beautiful thing about this shock is you might not need it, but you're not going to suffer because of it. Because of our ability to really tune a great ride zone because of the support you get on the hard hits and on the rebound. Whereas an internal bypass, as Sean was saying, if you're trying to tune that internal bypass for bottom-out control, you've just tore your ride zone up. It's one or the other. So you can't tune a good ride zone and tune out bottom-out control. This, you get a super cush ride, and you're not reliant on the damping on the main piston 
So a guy like me, you know how I wheel. Shane knows how I wheel. I like to drive 40 to 60 miles an hour in the desert, cover ground to wherever my next stop is because I like to get a to a place I want to check out, petroglyphs or an old mine or whatever, and do that a couple times then hit camp by like 3, 3.30 so the sun's up and you can enjoy camp for a while. And so we might cover that 100 miles in a few hours. Well, this is like magic for me because I get that comfort that's going to give me, you know, keep me in the vehicle driving fast without fatiguing. But if there's a truck gobbler around the next corner that I didn't see or a washout or a whoop section and I go into it too hot because I wasn't anticipating it, boom, I've got the best of both worlds on the new DSA Plus setup. Mm. This whole time discussing these internal Jones controls, we can't do this justice. Like you need to see this exploded view of the internal parts. Offroad.billstein.com. It's on the Do you want to see a hey, pull up um, wheel every weekends on YouTube? Oh, yeah. This so, is this it, is a customer of mine. Okay. Puts it on a truck with 155,000 miles, doesn't gusset anything, doesn't do anything. And actually go to our website. Is it on there? Uh, yeah. Uh, Billstein.us.com. Yeah. YouTube or Billstein YouTube. Okay. We did a 5100 versus an 8100. I saw that. It's amazing. But um, So I was out in the desert so with this customer of mine. So he got a lot of grief when he first put his video out saying, oh, you know, he basically did the 8112 at speed. And, and he got all this, you know, chatter on the on well, wait, the wait, wait, Is this so, one right here? That. So that's me there. So we're, we're putting a brand new set on his truck so everyone can see that nothing's been modified. Okay, you're taking the uh, the boxes out of the back 12, of the truck, right? Okay. We're going to take off his 8112s and 8100s that he already had on there With new to ones. put these on so people know they're right out of the box on a clapped out Tundra. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is... is, is it's, it looks beat up from the feet. Yeah, right. yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll fast forward here. They're basically walking through, but I want you to see the back and forth between these two setups off-road so you can understand. Well, well let, let's also get some background yeah. on this first. So we we posted Ian's site or Ian's uh, video, video on our site. and It got more hits than any video globally. Why? Yeah. For because us. people want to people wanna. Well, you'll see in a second, it. but people just didn't believe it. We got like 2 million views on our But our I don't website. understand what the dispute is over. Hey, because, because they're saying, oh, he's not going the same speed. Yeah, he's not going this. Same speed it. of any shot can go the same speed. So this is the 5100 or stock? No, that's 8112 at 15 miles an hour. But this is up right up at the foot of blow sands. Okay, this yeah. is heavy it's, stuff. It's big whoops. Yeah. Bottom out, top out, bottom 5, out. Here's the 5100s. At 20 PSI. At, yeah, 15 mile per hour. Look how much air is hopping under that. These whoops are gigantic, too. Oh. Yeah. He's coming off the ground by almost a foot. Here's 20 miles an hour. So you, can, so you see the speed sensitivity starting to come into play here. It's a lot smoother at 20 miles and, an hour. And now he's can, he's not hopping off the ground. So this he, is going to take him off the road. We're back to the 5100. Wow, so now it's Bottom out, top out. Sideways. He can't even control it. No. And, no yeah. It's leaving the trail. Well, the tires aren't on the ground. He can't steer it. Right. So now he's at 30 miles per hour. This is as fast as we could go, go in these with without feeling that it was dangerous. Unsafe. Okay, so 30 miles an hour, again, truck is just no control. It's all over the place, the back. So this is a non-reservoir, smooth body, uh, 46-millimeter piston. There's 55 miles an hour in the 8112. Same same section. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's That's a bolt-on shock lightning. That's a bolt-on shock. So, okay, but 
did you go? I see the debate now. Watch, they're watch. like so fifty-five going even faster, floating over the tops now. Just, just hammering it. Okay, eighty-one twelves at fifty-five miles an hour. It's soaking them all up, and he's going right over like a, like a motocross rider at Supercross, just they, right, they, over the, right over the tops good, of the world. They're whoops, probably right? good, two feet apart by one foot deep. Maybe more, more than more, than more, yeah. more, yeah. more. maybe like, probably, more. Yeah. maybe two footers. Okay, so bit. but he, I see the debate though. He didn't do the slower runs; he just did the faster, right? You, you couldn't, you do, couldn't do the go faster. Fast. We could go is thirty miles an hour before it would rip your front suspension. He was off. he, he oh, was burying his Got head it. into the roof of the truck. Gotcha. Yeah. And this is also a testament to how good the fifty one hundred is. Yeah, right. <laughs> because a lot of shocks would have folded in half. And he was leaving the ground, full stuff, full droop, full yeah. stuff. And the all right, we, we need to all right, tell people where they can find this video so they can see. So this is on the Bill Stein YouTube channel. So just go to YouTube, go to Bill Stein. It's like the third or fourth video down right now. But again, you guy's name is Ian with a Toyota Tundra, a yeah, black Tundra. Wheel, You'll see wheel it. every weekend. He's a he's a great customer of mine. He's a he's a brand advocate. Also rebuilds other brands, and you know, obviously, he's not going to lose money because he loves Bill. Fifteen Stein. miles per hour with the fifty one hundreds, it's just pogoing like oh, I've yeah, never yeah. seen. Wow, yeah. purpose undrivable, built, purpose built. Here's damper. twenty miles an hour with the eighty one hundreds, and he's no longer leaving the ground. Yeah, it's a purpose built damper. It's it's it's. And th this is also this is my experience with them as well. And I did a off road to SEMA a few years ago with Shane and the Bill crew where we had 8112s on Tacomas. So Los Angeles to Las Vegas. Poway to yeah. Las Vegas. Okay. Poway to Las Vegas. Yeah. Covering every bit of ground that you could imagine in the California desert and Nevada desert. And, you know, there were places where there were massive G-outs, square edge, drop-offs, where we're going 60 miles an hour and all of a sudden there's a two-foot drop. And you could, you know, you pucker and you couldn't even feel it. The truck just sailed right through. There are sections where we're crawling. There are sections for, where there are whoops. So I've first-hand experience the 8112-8100 combo on a Tacoma, not a Tundra, but I can tell you the massive amount of improvement. And those trucks only had those shocks, an upper control arm, and I think Deaver's in the back, right? Everything yeah. else was stock. And here, here's another thing I want to get, I want to mention too, is, is is everyone, I think that the word travel in, in our industry is, is often oversold. Okay, so people think that they can just get a ton of travel because they change the arm. Yeah. A control arm swap is, is is simply and honestly to regain caster out of a right height that you lost from lifting it. There's added performance dependent on what you do, but is it really getting more travel or is putting a good quality shock in place giving you the confidence to use the available travel that it has? And, and I'd rather have clean travel. I'd rather right. have a 10-inch travel truck or an even an 8-inch travel truck and... You know, not to not to mention you know other brands out there, but a perfect example is a, a stock Colorado ZR2 that has a different kind of shock, shock technology. It has like four and a half inches of stroke and like eight inches of travel, and you can feel that's that shock on those trucks is amazing how much energy they absorb. And it's really clean travel, but that's a perfect example of a stock truck that doesn't have very much travel at all. Yet you'll go to some of these trucks, even even a Raptor, like a second gen Raptor before live valve especially, would blow through travel at slow speed. They were really good on top of the whoops at like 55, 60. They would start to fade away faster than that. Um, but at slow speed, just like the Tundra was in this photo or in this video, bottom out, top out, bottom out, top out on some of the bigger desert whoops. And you'd have to get speed. But at that point, to get enough speed, you wouldn't really feel comfortable driving a stock truck with no cage and all that. So there's trade-offs all over the place, but my point is a truck with better travel doesn't make it a better riding vehicle than one with less travel. It's all about the shock technology, how much valving and how it's valved inside that makes it work. Yeah. This goes back to what Junior said at the beginning. You'd put 
the long travel kit, the 13-inch travel. I'd put that truck, and not even the driver. The, he's a great driver. But I would put a beginner driver in the seat of his truck up against any second or third gen Raptor. Yeah. Hmm. 100%. Or, or if you take a long travel kit. You got a take long, a long travel, travel kit. kit. You did the coil over in the bypass. It's not tuned. It's probably going to perform probably not as good as that, right? It's that definitely that not as good as that. Good. Definitely so, not as good as that. Well, that's the whole, the whole the whole angle of the 8112. So why did we do this? There's a market for it. We, we're in Southern California. We drive around. We see guys with reservoir shocks. People ask us about it. So what did we do different? We made a position-sensitive reservoir shock, which I think on a Tacoma might be the only one on the market, with internal jounce, with an internal RCO, rebound cutoff. That's not the same as everything on the market. It offers this technology. So this technology, it's such good technology. Basically, what we did was we wrapped up a long travel kit into a bolt-on coilover. It's and basically, for the chassis. we're able to find a shock that has similar performance characteristics on the edge of the envelope as a bypass shock in probably the middle of its envelope, right? But give you the ride on top of it. So, and the packaging, you don't have to worry about packaging it with tubes where it's going to hit your frame or your tire's going to rub because you're basically using a narrower, smooth body shock because you don't have external tubes sticking out of it. So, you're able to get that type of performance, bolt in. You don't have to weld anything. You don't have to put offset spacers to move the shock away because the body's not this huge body. You also have RCOs and JCOs. You also have zone control. You also have adjustability. I mean, it's just like, it's yeah. just incredible. Well, the new thing with the DSA is adding that adjustability to this tech. You know, probably should have did that when we came out with it. We didn't have it, but now we do. So I have dealers out there that are diehard our competition's brands, right? But they sell obviously what the consumer's asking for. And and I have guys that are long time our competitions like they, they, they sell a lot of our competitions goods and, and, and I've had guys come up to me and they say you just have to drive it. Yeah. There, there there's no way I can explain you just gotta drive it. Like and these are guys that have been selling our other our, our competitors for years and believe that their performance bolt on stuff is just the best the cat's meow until they drive this. And then they're like, you just have to drive. Well, I mean, look, look, some of your competition, they're really good at branding, right? 100%. You know, some of them, they sell more merchandise than they do shocks, maybe. Right. Right. And we, we see it at all the shows and they make some great stuff. But I think a lot of it is guys want the best they can afford. Like we started saying, you know, a while back. And a lot of times it's maybe the wrong part for the job or they're not getting the support they need. So they're buying a part that may require support. Yeah, but maybe they can only afford the part and they're not doing everything around it to make that part perform at its peak level. You were able to mount it, but there's some other things that go into a kit that really allow it to perform. Truly, with this setup, you've got a bolt-in performance shock that doesn't require Requ no, ma else. no maintenance, no updates. You don't no. even need a, a yeah. hydraulic bump stop. The, yeah. the seal head assemblies on these things are bulletproof. I have customers that have gone... 80, 90,000 miles with these things already and they're operating. And, and think about all the performance trucks out there with a f aluminum lower arm. When the Raptor first came out, people were cracking them in half because they wanted to add a hydraulic bump stop. And so there's kits where you put a, a steel pad that surrounds it so that you have a, a landing pad for the hydraulic bump stop. But a lot more manufacturers, either for performance or lightweight, unsprung weight, are adding a lower aluminum arm where it's not going to be great for you to add a hydraulic bump stop because of the force that goes into that arm. 
again, the Bilstein with the JCO, you don't need to do it. It's all internal to the shop. And all that force is being generated into the chassis to the top mount assembly. It's it's, it's going nowhere else. That's yeah, not like, going into the arm. It's going right, right back up into uh, where it's mounted yeah, on the frame. You're generating force where the force is intended to be generated. All right, so uh, real quick, I wanted to uh, pivot over to UTV. And by the way, they're they're gorgeous. You guys have a new line of UTV shocks, which are stunning to look at, but you just proved first place stock vehicle in a couple races where the the performance and when I was with you guys in Moab I got to hang out with some of your UTV drivers and who were bl- just blown away by the shock technology in these things. I mean the UTV was perfect for this zone control technology that we have in the 8112 because the 8112 it's on a vehicle with limited travel. Now you have a UTV with like 20 inches of travel. <laughs> like little trophy trucks now. Right? Now, now you're just like just going over stuff that you wouldn't believe. It's and, like insane. And now, now some of them have cage or like you've seen the, the latest Polaris line, right? Is it Polaris or Can Am? One of them, they like it looks like a miniature Jeep now. It's a car, yeah. Totally yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a car. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. I mean, we go out to the desert, we go to Moab. There's just as many UTVs as Jeeps in Moab. Uh, go out to OctoLs, way more UTVs than yeah. trucks and stuff. So it's like it's a huge market and. Well, the main thing is this technology is perfect for a UTV, the zone control technology. And the, the shocks are, they're all aluminum body. Like you said, they're beautiful. They've got some gold anodized bits, hard anodized inside and out. They are four-way adjustable. So they're jounce control adjustable, high low speed compression adjustable, and, and rebound, rebound adjustable. Are these the ones, Holman, that we saw at SEMA yes. where I got us in trouble for- Yes, for yelling yes. Uh, <laughs> next to the president of Bilstein. Thanks, thanks for that, lighting. Yeah. Those were jewelry. So if they work half as good as they look, oh, they're, they're, I'll they're take insane. two sets, they're, please. They're absolutely insane. That's insanity. Yeah. Here's the- Oh, my Lord. They're gorgeous. Like, when we demo it, we have to, like, we have this uh, crazy uh, race car driver that- that helped develop these or did a lot of the development on this, especially the driving part and the valving. He's done all the tuning on our on our recreational packages. His name's Wes, mm-hmm. real famous guy on Bilstein. But and then we got our support guy Nathan, yeah. who races a trophy truck. But anyways, it it's so plush when you get in it. I'm like, okay, well, Wes, you need to drive. You need to drive with someone who knows what it'll do. Because if if you don't know any better, you're gonna think the thing's gonna bottom out. It feels too soft. You just start romping over stuff, and it just soaks it up. Insane. How aggressive do you guys seek drivers that are running competitors' products? Because you know yours is better. That's the thing is we we really don't. You don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we really don't. Here here's something you got to understand about Bilstein that 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 is it the one whole of those off road community is, needs to understand about Bilstein is Bilstein. When, when you're discussing our competition on light truck and, and, and off-road, you're discussing Fox, King, Radflow, um, ADS, the Elka. Elka, these guys are the worlds. However, understand that these guys only do off-road and light truck. We're, we're doing OE business for Lucid, for Tesla. We're doing... We're doing the aftermarket for Porsche 911. We're do, I mean, we do motorhome shocks. We do... You know, your wife's minivan, we'll have shocks for those. I mean, we do, our, 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 our aftermarket coverage is like no other shock manufacturer footprint globally. We do everything. So we can't just put all of our eggs in off-road. We just got to sit back and, and, and work with what they let us work with. 
because our tuning segment is just as high of performing as our off-road segment. You know what I mean? So that's it's really tough to get the buy-in to just go do all this stuff because me and Shane want to. We fight for it. We argue. We, we scream. AMG SL500? What do you got for that? <laughs> I, it's sex, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you have on there now. Yeah. yeah. Should, I take those suckers off. Should be Bill Stein. See? Look at that. Well, a lot of guys are going to uh, coilovers on that car. They don't like the active body control because yeah. it's all hydraulic. So they're scared. Mine has not failed. Knock on wood. Uh-oh. They haven't failed yet. I'm not going for you. Yeah. But a lot of guys, are. they do it preemptively. They take off the uh, the ABC hydraulic lines, which apparently are spaghetti throughout the whole un- belly of the car. But they pull it all out and do and do uh, uh, Like KWs or something? Uh, BC. Okay. BC is the... I don't know who makes the BC stuff. Yeah, those are pretty aggressive. Those are pretty... They're, they, they're sprung pretty heavy. I don't know. It's just the only one that seemed to make that particular fitment, where it's, whether it's the... The, the billet aluminum perches or whatever, but they're mm-hmm. specific to, we don't have to talk about Mercedes here, but uh, yeah. You know what we should talk about? Trucks? Terrasport. Oh, yeah, okay. A lot of the truck guys. What, can, can I, before you yeah. go to Terrasport? So we're talking about the, the jewelry up on screen right here. So for your, your UTV line, what, a set, what will a set set me back? Rough 6,500 t- bucks loaded. With springs, everything, ready to bolt on the vehicle. Um, nice part about this is there's, there's, just they're they're so tunable externally you could probably out of the box get them to behave the way you want them to however if you can't if, if you're demanding more of the tuning there's three different zones that could be retuned in the shock you can retune the main piston you can re you can retune the rco the jco so at the end of the day this shock will behave however you want it to behave in all zones wow there's no way it won't so 6500 bucks all four corners loaded on a UTV. Uh, let's just go back real quick before jumping to Terrasport. Your DSA pluses or 8112s, what are you looking mm-hmm. at that for? Those are retailing or... just a hair over our competition with so much more to offer. I think they're they're 1400 bucks a, a, a corner for the front. Bypasses are, I think, 1100 bucks a piece for the rear. It's a lot of performance for the money. Tons, of, Yeah, it's a lot of bang for the buck. And if you think about buck. it, if you did a long travel kit, got a bypass, got a bump stop. There's... there's Thirteen paid grand. Some, paid yeah. some guy on on meth and Lucerne Valley. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let's Put talk. It on. I got to show Shane my new shirt that says uh, "Smoke brisket, not meth." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have. That's. I just made smoke brisket and not uh, DPFs. I have an apron at work. Oh, funny. Yeah. Going back to the eighty one twelves. Your your group that you work with and the engineering team. How much time do you have invested in that man hours? Uh, you had to guess. All of them. A lot. No, but I mean, like, well, before we hundreds and hundreds of man hours, thousands. I can't even. Let's just say that we, when we you, did the first eighty one twelve, like you work on it every day I'll for go, two years. I'll just put it to you this way: we did the first eighty one twelve. We bought a Tacoma two thousand fifteen, and we probably worked on it for about eight months, pretty much every day, with probably about five or six people, like working in and out of it. That included benchmarking competition including tuning in the desert including you know a couple pre-runs yep. across the mojave desert to do our 2016 launch um so a lot, a lot of time we wanted to make the best damper you can get in that segment and i think that we did so going back to best damper in the segment you guys have branched out you now have your terra sport line which is for like CUVs, so light mm-hmm. off-roaders. Yeah. And so that market is actually exploding right now, whether it's a Subaru Outback, you know, a XUV, or RAV4. maybe a RAV4 Adventure, 
um, things like that. And now Nitto has a new tire line, the Recon, the Recon Grappler. People are just going deeper and exploring more in those, and that might be a starter off-road vehicle, or it might be your secondary car if you have a truck for maybe your your kid or your wife or something like that. So now you guys have some new strut technology that can bolt into their into those that give you more the performance that you would expect from some of your Monitude products. It's an alternative to a spacer. This really reminds me of the 5100 ride height adjustable. Yeah. Everyone was doing spacers, and they sucked. They over-traveled the car. They ruined your car. So the, the Terra Sport is a mild lift for a CV, or like a Maverick. We're doing the Maverick, which is kind which of like a awesome. pick, CV pickup. Yeah. And we're preloading the stock coil. We're getting about an inch and a half lift. We're giving you a little bit more clearance for tires, so you can go up a size or two. and get in. Using the stock wheel in the factory offset yeah. if you want to, because yeah. the coil bucket on the strut sits so much higher, which is the limitation when you're trying to go with a larger tire on a stock wheel because the tire runs into the coil pocket. Sure. Oh, so, right. So these things are pretty limited, you know, and, and I go to the forest, even in the desert, you you see guys with CUVs out there, and it's like you need a little, like just an inch and a half and a, a little bit bump. bigger tire. Is, yeah, they got two extra inches of ground clearance. Now you're mm-hmm. up to goes eight and a half ways. inches of ground clearance or something like so that. So it's safer, know. right? Because yep. you're not going to punch your oil pan as easily, and you get all-terrain tires, and you're not going to pop your tires and go for a walk. Just so everyone don't think they're monotube technology, most of the strut assemblies are going to be twin tube technology. Yep. Anything on the rear that's a standalone unit that is accompanied with a coil spring that's not on the damper will be a monotube shock. Yeah, so it's super easy. What is it like five hundred bucks for a for a set? Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Like no brainer. Rides better, yeah. makes more ground clearance, more room for bigger tires, more performance. Yeah. Don't have to use a spacer. Don't you know, this is and, and this is great for the customer that's at eighty thousand miles on his stock dampers or a used car customer. It, yeah. So we just bought one in you know secondary market and they right. go, I oh, want to build this thing up. Not even build it up, but this is a great replacement damper to get a little bit better aesthetics out of it, to run a nice large tire and a little bit larger tire. The guy that doesn't want to go overboard and run the roof rack and the awning on his on his cross track, you know what I mean? He doesn't want to decorate it for overlanding. But yet wants to <laughs> but, decorate is great. Yeah, but yet, nice. but yet wants to optimize his ground clearance, put a little larger tire on it. But it's a, it's a great go to for maintenance. I've got a right? friend with a, a Bronco Sport that you, I think you're talking about him. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. This, yeah, we I've will be doing the Bronco Sport this year. I've got a friend with the Bronco we Sport. We might need also, a vehicle, <laughs> and she she takes it everywhere. I mean, she takes it way deeper than she could because those things are really pretty capable out of the yeah. box. I mean, it's it's shocking. For a Ford Escape, they're. they're pretty good. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> I've seen right. seen one go up hills revenge. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> a I mean, sport, really? Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't believe. There's yeah. a whole group of uh, like Subaru guys yeah. that go out there during EJS just and, to show people up. Yeah, see, so guy, the dude on the uh, Yamaha R1 who did it the other day. Oh, no. dude, go, go All right, if you guys want to oh, throw, I did. I did. Are, wait, a sport bike? R1? Yamaha R1 yeah. on Hell's Revenge. That's a thousand cc sport he's bike. He's jumping it over stuff and hitting <laughs> ledges with it, dude. It's awesome. Last thing I got for you guys is one of the things people wanted is a different coating technology for uh, Bill Steins, and you guys have a new coating, new color scheme coming out for your aftermarket shock, shocks that's being rolled out as products are updated. Uh, maybe just talk about that real quick and let people know that there's, I, I think they're beautiful. I think they look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 8112, 8100 line is going to be Evo Gray with a new graphic, and we like it too. I think it's going to be great. What is the Evo um, Gray? What is that, like a gunmetal? Yeah, it's like a con- concrete like gunmetal gun yeah. somewhere between those, I think. Okay. Yeah. So this is like your favorite coating um, on the Willwood brakes. 
Um, well, that's the that's the mil spec anodizing, which I think is super sexy. Yeah. So that's coming out. We'll be releasing that over the next year, like, and then releasing new applications. Like the JK is going to come out with uh, Evo Gray, and then uh, sixty one twelve fifty one sixty. We're going. We're doing a clear coat over the zinc, so that's rolling out. That's going to be nice. But we're really excited about the Evo. I think it's going to be really nice. I think the aesthetic wise, it looks great. Um, let's just hit really quick. Uh, fifty one sixty is basically a. Uh, a reservoir 5100. Yes. And then 6112 is basically with a uh, 60 millimeter piston yep. with a little less technology than what you'd get in the 8100, 8112 setup. Kind of a lot of less technology, but it's a, it's a, it's a great it's update. It's like a big 5100, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like a giant So it's like a 5100 with the bigger piston. Why it's am I going for, above the 51 to the 6112? It comes with a spring. It's it's a much larger diameter shock. So think it's Tacoma. Take, it's, it's the Tacoma Forerunner guy. And that setup is, I mean, I was telling you when we were at Overland Expo and I was hanging out in the Bilstein booth, everybody who came in was like, 6112? And that was kind of the joke. <laughs> right, right, right. But that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's basically a, a bigger piston 5100, so more oil volume, more spring rate, more resistance to, you know, um, you know, rebound and compression, more valving, and then comes preloaded with the spring. So Toyota guys love these things. Best bang for the buck. Yeah. You can't get a better set of shocks. Best bang are, for the buck. And those run what? Do you, do you recall? They retail, I think, they, I think um, 6112, right? 810 bucks, I think, is, is yeah. like um, map pricing. They yeah. retail for $900. Is that per corner? No, that's for a whole set in the front. For what? Per axle. Yeah. 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 Eight eight hundred bucks for yeah. So a front so under two thousand yeah. dollars, you basically have killer suspension. I, I we put them on a Forerunner, and it just trans it's transformative on that. We had a Forerunner TRD Pro, and we had put the sixty one twelve setup on it, and j- just it's night and day difference. You won't even believe how just a bolt on, and that's not even stepping up to all the technology in eighty one twelve. So if you're looking for more. But the eighty one twelves are out of your reach a little bit. You would not be disappointed by you know uh, putting a set of sixty one twelves on. It's the perfect middle ground between a fifty one hundred and eighty one twelve. All yeah. OE grommets uses your factory top mount assembly, so you're not dealing with any noise or any popping or grinding. Not that you do with the eighty one twelves either, but you know the eighty one twelve with the JCO can be a little bit audible at low velocity inputs because of the jounce. But these are just. Like like Sean said, man, they're just the best bang for the buck, bulletproof, no maintenance. And and we make them for GM, 1500, all the half-ton trucks, for yeah. Ram, F-150. And we accompany the 5160 with the reservoir in the back. The 6112, you'll be able to drive it harder if you want. So you need to balance out that performance. And, and you need to have something with a little bit more performance in the back. So we do a 5160. So, so we've got a lot of guys with three-quarter and one-ton trucks. Not duallys, but let's talk... Three-quarter ton truck, 2,500, 3,500, F-250, 350. If you're pulling a trailer, you're doing some light off-roading, hunting, stuff like that, you're, you're off-road maybe tw- two times a month, you know, on the weekends. What's the right shock for that guy to get the best on-road, smooth ride, but not get beat up off-road? Not beat so, up when he's going duck hunting. So, again, all of our stuff is purpose-built. So, if this guy has a bone stock 2500 yes HD. bone stock no lift he needs a 4600 if okay. he if he's if he's turned up the torsion bars to, to get a little bit more leveled right height he has the option of a 5100 or a 5160 um and, and the same with all the even the solid axle f rams in the and the f250 yeah. same thing problem with with a lot of guys that want to run these 5100s on stock height trucks the biggest problem with this is 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 we get we maximize droop in 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 all, in all applications 
So the problem with running a 5100 that's intended for a two, two and a half inch lift on your stock truck is if when you unweight that front end, like you go over like a freeway, it can actually unseat the spring at full droop. People need to understand that that shocks are purpose built. They're there for a reason. We build a two and a half inch lift for a leveling spring. Yeah, it's not a forty six hundred, and then a fifty one hundred is better. It's right. lifted versus stock height. Correct. Right, because you want to have the the right collapsed extended length, so you don't pull out brake lines or unseat the spring or any of that. You want to overextend your CV axles. That all of that. It's and the I- same technology, same damper. Tuning's a bit different because when you increase ride height. The tune of the shock changes, so it's not like we just plus go you're from, compensating for a bigger tire. That's what right, you might put on right. So, so, so there's more rebound valving in there. So, it, it, you kind of sacrifice the tune when you're when you're when you're not lifted, but you're putting something that's valved for a lifted vehicle so, on a stock. So let's truck. roll through it. Forty six hundred direct replacement, no uh-huh. lift. Fifty one hundred direct replacement, nothing needed, but it's for a lifted application. A little bit mm-hmm. more valving. You're yeah. still you're working with a, f- a forty six millimeter piston, so. Right, yeah. 1.96 uh, inch, 1.95, something like that. 46 millimeter, a mm-hmm. little under two inch. Then 6112 takes well, that. Well, before you go to 5100s, we have uh, ride height adjustables for the front. Uh, oh, yeah, front for, trucks. for leveling trucks and things uh-huh. like well, that. We also make 5100s for four inch lifts, six inch lifts, and popular lifts. Yeah, so non coil over application. Yeah, if yeah, you bought an old, over. let's say it's a you know, 10 year old Super Duty that has XYZ's, you know, um, Bob's, you know, Midwest uh, lift shack or something like that, and it's got just the white shocks on it, you could keep everything the same and put on 5100s that exactly. have the extended length. Exactly. Right. So you guys can service the aftermarket even if they didn't originally come with Bill Stein shocks, even if there's somebody else's lift kit. 100%. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and, and Holman, I'm, I'm listening to the show right now and I'm forgetting everything we're saying. I can go to BillSteinUS.com and put in basically my lift, correct? My yeah, truck and my lift. BillSteinUS.com. And there's a drop-down menu to your year, make, and model. And then it'll give you the increment. Say you have a 99 to 04 Super Duty. It'll give you stock ride height, which is 4,600. It'll give you two and a half inch for guys with the little mini spring pack. And then it'll go on and on throughout the lift lift heights. Beautiful. Then you go uh, 5160s is basically 5100 with a reservoir. You bump up to a 6112. That's the same technology, but the 6112 goes to a 60 millimeter, which is a 2.65 inch piston. Then and you the, take and that. The 6112s are for front end of half ton trucks. Coilover, uh, not yeah. even half ton. Like Coilover. Frontiers yeah. and Tacomas. Yeah. Like yeah, mid size half ton, IFS. Half-ton, right? yeah. yeah, IFS trucks. Mm-hmm. And then 8100, 8112 is half-ton the top of the line. That's going to be your 60 millimeter, 2.65 inch piston. And then you can, depending on which model and whatever you can layer on technology, some have the JCO RCO, some have the zone control. Soon you'll have a DSA and DSA plus available. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys have questions, uh, BillSteinUS.com, it's got a, a bunch of uh, great info, but I hope having you guys on sort of helped our listener kind of distill the, the Billstein, why Billstein, why are we so excited and understand like the technology, the packaging. And I mean, Billstein just celebrated 150 years. Yep. I mean, this is their 150th year in business. I mean, there's not a lot of companies in, in automotive that have been around since the very beginning of it. So. Can I ask you guys, what is it like working there? Like, it's just two dudes that are enthusiasts. What's it like working at Bilstein? Shane's been there for about <laughs> 400 years, so. Yeah. No, like, seriously. Like, How many years now, Shane? What's the culture like? It's like hardcore engineering. Like, yeah, it's great, man. It's, nothing, it's, it's, it's either the best or nothing at all. Right. You know, they don't cut any corners. Yeah. Which is nice. So it's um, not only design. Sometimes we might not be well. the first to market, but when we get to the market, we're going to be right. How many years, Shane? About twenty-five. I think over twenty. Actually, twenty-five. Nice. Wow. Twenty-six. Congrats. Junior? Almost ten. That's a lot of that's a lot of shock experience uh, sitting in this room. So you know what we didn't talk about? 
What? The one Mojave road trip where we went back in time. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, uh, Shade and I time warped on a trip once. I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah, we didn't understand it either. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that, was the, that was the first Mojave road trip. This is like Land of the Lost when yeah, you're out in the middle like of the Land desert. Of so this was 20 years ago, probably. Uh, no, it would have been maybe a little bit. Maybe it was like 18 because it was a 2005 or six Hummer H1 Alpha that I was testing. It's in sand, in sand colored, like H1 Alpha look military. Um, While we're on that, what did you think of that rig? It was all right. I mean, it, they're cool, but, you know, they don't ride well and, you know, they'll go over anything. But mostly it needs to go over anything because you can't see out of it. And, yeah. um, I thought the Alpha with the Duramax and helical cut portals made it way better than the original. But it was still at the end of the day in, in H1. But it was still cool. I mean, we were out there. It was rad. So we're, we are going through the Mojave Road, and this is back before it was, like, super popular, and nobody's out on it like they are today. By I mean, the way, it's your fault that it's popular. Yeah, probably. I, I've talked about it too much. And we come over this hill. But well, we were lost. Though. We were lost. We made, made a wrong we were turn. Lost. And we come over this hill, and we come down into a World War II reenactment in the German camp. What? And you have to imagine we're like we're, we haven't seen anyone. There's there's no airplanes. There's no other vehicles. There's nothing modern. There's no telephone lines. We go over a hill and we are now in World War II. And we're driving through and there's all these soldiers walking around and it's like canvas tents and flags and the whole thing. What? And we've been transported to like North Africa in 1942 or 43 in like Rommel's time. There had yeah. to be what 500 Did, people out there. There was like. I don't know if there was tanks, but there was half tracks. Yeah. There was like we literally correct. thought like like somebody had you know too much peyote from the trail or something, or we went through a wormhole or something. And was it a movie set? And no, it was a, a World War II reenactment. We kept driving and we tried to find our way out, and we eventually came to the American camp, and it was crazy. We just out in the middle of the desert, and we're like, uh, "Hey, what just happened?" <laughs> <laughs> so, that means that's so bizarre. Did you go back home and research it to find out who they are yeah, and what yeah. they were doing? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like an annual thing or something. Yeah, something. Then we drank. Uh, we had a, a, one of the people who was with us decided he had to have Anchor Steam beer. And he decided he couldn't handle any more of the trip. And before we went back in time, he peeled out. And so we camped that night and we drank all of his beer. And I think that when we we camped, it was like Afton Canyon or something, right? The end of the end of the trail. We must have had 20 beers each. And we emptied the cooler. And I remember we got up when the sun got up because we slept on like the picnic tables and it was like 5.30, probably like three hours of sleep. I'm like, eh, time to go home. <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun trip. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been a treat. Thanks for uh, coming all the way up from uh, Poway and hanging out yeah. in the pod shed. And we have, uh-huh. literally, this is the first time we've this had this. This is the raddest pod shed ever, man. It, it, yeah, what do you, okay, so what do you guys think about the pod shed? I love it. I love it. I could be in here all day. So when... When we first built it, Lightning was concerned about having people come into my backyard. He goes, that's just weird and unprofessional. And no, I'm like, so rad. I'm like, people are going to be blown away when you open the door and they're like, oh my God. I mean, you guys have sat in here for the last couple hours. Comfortable? Good. Super I mean, comfy, man. And I'm, and I'm 325 pounds. But by the way, everyone also thinks that uh, Sean here is employed by... Bill Stein, Stein? yeah, just a, fan, in a, just way, a fanboy. In a way, he is. In a way, he is. He's he's deep rooted, man, and he's he's you know. I believe in the passionate. Product. He loves it. We love him. You know what I mean? He's a great brand ambassador. Yeah, I'm just yeah. a poser wearing the gear yeah. that I bought on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, at, at the end of the day, I uh, I've had a lot of great experiences with the brand. I love the people there, and uh, I appreciate you guys supporting the podcast and supporting us in return. But you know, to me, 
uh, the technology, the quality, and the performance and, and the user experience. I have never been disappointed with the set, and I really appreciate to uh, keep working with you guys. So, uh, again, if you guys want to find out more, head to uh, BillsteinUS.com. You can also go to Billstein Shock Absorbers on Facebook. You can find them on Instagram. Uh, and then uh, check them out. You can do your year make model online and figure out whether you have a zero-inch uh, lift all the way up to you know six or more. Depending on the application, you can find shocks that, that are there. And we've just read some letters recently where we've had listeners say, listen, I, I gave Billstein a try just because you guys talked about it and it transformed my truck. So I think there's a lot more people out there who um, I think they think, oh, Bilstein rides rough or Bilstein is only off-road. No, it's it's for everything. Isn't it crazy that they're listening to us? You know what also? The <laughs> easiest way to get to the catalog page is cart.bilsteinus.com. Cart, like the shopping cart? Yeah, like a shopping cart. It's, it's, a, little e- it's a little difficult to get through navigating to the actual cart from the main website. So cart.billsteinus.com. Okay. Here's how we close out the show. So you guys do a high five, and I, and I got Junior over here. Move your mic out of the way. On the count of three, we do a high five. Or no, we do a good five stars, right? On the count All of right, three, it's five, five stars. stars. One, right. two, three. Five stars. All right, there look we at that. Go. That was nice. a uh, double high five. First yeah. one ever. You Ten guys stars. made history. Do you guys see that your sticker made it up to uh, the sticker wall here yep. in the Truck Show podcast? Yeah, that's the new, that's the, the, the new logo. logo. Yeah. I got the new one up there for you guys, so. Is that you right next to it? Uh, no. That's our friend Jordan. From, Update! Yeah, Florida Truck Meet. Also, uh, Orange. He's got like his own sticker. <laughs> yeah, he does. So are all these companies the ones who have been here to join the podcast? We've had, yeah. No, they've been on the show, but not in, yeah, not not in, in the studio. studio but yeah. They're all companies I've been You guys on, are so. part of an exclusive crew that have been in the pod shed. I suck at overlanding. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, Decked did those stickers for a while, and I've been waiting. I've had that one. I've been waiting to put it up, and, and that's one of my favorite ones. I love it. <laughs> Most people suck at overlanding, to be honest. <laughs> All right, it's been a minute, but I think we should get to some calls of the Five Star Hotline, 657-205-6105. Oh, come on and be part of the show. Call the Five Star Hotline, 657-205-6105. It's the Five Star Hotline. Five Star Since you dubbed yourself Whole Brand, we'll go with uh, Whole Brand and Light Opinion. <laughs> following up on your uh, reply to the Lincoln comment, but uh, in regards to the Rampage, based on the uh, Jeepster probability that almost happened, we both know that it would be Rampage by Ram, not the Ram Rampage. But I did like that the uh, prior commenter called it a Dodge, <laughs> which just unwinds uh, 15 years of work by those people trying to separate the brand. <laughs> so hilarious. Talk to you later. Well, it's true. I, I hear people all the time still call Dodge. Every single day. T- ever since 2009. How many years? 15 years now that Ram's been its own brand and people still Dodge. It's wild Dodge Ram. I'm a member of like Dodge Ram Trucks Extreme or Dodge Trucks Extreme. And I'm like, and all these guys have newer trucks. Yeah, it should be Ram trucks. Extreme. They won't change it. They're yeah. just Dodge. And yeah, I'm like, weird. guys will come to work and said, what are you driving? Oh, yeah, I got a new uh, 2022 Dodge uh, 3500. I go, it's not a Dodge. What do you mean? It's You're Ram. driving a Ram. It doesn't say, it doesn't Dodge, say Dodge anywhere, anywhere. anywhere on it. Strange. Lightning, sorry. This one's a little more about Holman. Uh, Sean, I'm really disappointed to find out. Not that you rented a Nissan Altima, but that we did not get any storyline at all about uh, Altima Big Energy or Big Energy Altima 
no no hashtags, no photos, no nothing. I'm I'm actually quite a bit let down. Uh, please feel free to follow up with us uh, next time you rent one of these. Thank you. So did I talk about that on the air? I can't remember. I don't recall. All right, so I, I went to uh, Louisiana uh, to see some clients, and I rented a small car, and it turned out to be a Nissan Altima. Yeah. Was, okay, whatever. It's a nice mid-sized car. It was an upgrade, and I walk out to it, and it's got 2,000 miles on it. Brand spanking new. No, no, we, we, we talked about that. Okay. But but what is what does he mean about... No storyline about it. I don't know. I don't... What what kind of storyline? I don't. Uh, you did tell the story. Yeah. Okay. And I really liked it. I was. Ta- I think I was talking about how that thing was freaking awesome. I would. I would rock it every day and twice on Wednesday. No big energy. No big Optima hashtags. No photos. No nothing. I don't know what he's getting at. What did he? What did? What do you want from Holman, dude? <laughs> I don't understand. Hmm. Hey, Lightning Holman. You guys haven't done any like guests on the noise for a while, so. I'm going to put it on speaker so you can hear it better, see if you can tell what this is. Big rig. So this is a, uh, that's a know your note, by the way, is what's hey, going on do, here. We need more know your notes. So guys, send them in. We'll start doing that again. We've been, it's been on our list, but we've been so busy, but send in some know your notes. We'd like to hear from you. So record the exhaust note or the engine note yeah, and then of your see if truck. we can guess it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, know your note. By the way, uh, I'm going big rig. I don't, I don't know. 657-205-6105, or you can email it to us. I, yeah, I, I'm getting big rig vibes as well. All right. Hmm. Oh, now hold on a second. That is that's the Jake break, right? But is that on a is that a a big Cummins engine? No, no, no. I don't know. Caterpillar? What is it? Go. (laughs) That's awesome. That just sounds like a machine gun now. Helicopter. I was thinking something else, but okay. What's that noise there, boys? <laughs> E-model Caterpillar. Eight-inch straight bikes. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. There you go. Have a good day. I love That's it. Awesome. That was great. Thank you for that. Uh, hey, boys. Good morning. Brian Brett out here uh, delivering bulk flour. Decided not to call you guys quite so early. I didn't want to wake you up. I heard you guys talk about Winnebago Man before on the show. Thought it was pretty funny. And when you guys talked about the documentary, took a chance, watched it, thought it was hilarious, sat my 17-year-old son, Patrick, down with me, wasn't sure what he would think about it. He loved it. My wife walked into the room and sat down and could not wrap her mind around what we were watching (laughs) or why this was funny. She had to stop multiple times and try to explain the concept of these VHS tape trading parties and groups she just she's a physical therapist her brain's kind of analytical it just totally went in and didn't compute but uh luckily uh me and my son were more ape-like it was (laughs) hilarious Uh, thank you for mentioning that um, I'm just curious. Well, what do your wives think about Winnebago Man? They do they get that? Do they get that humor? Um, I know you guys have both said before you guys are uh, punching above your weight with your wives. Do do they uh, do they think that's funny or not? Hey, thanks again. Five stars. Mount your those parameters, boys. They're getting closer every day. Have a great weekend. 
Later. <laughs> and by request. Five star review. Five star. Uh, I, my wife hasn't watched it. Uh, I should probably watch it with her. My wife has and uh, didn't get it. She doesn't get Monty Python. She doesn't get, no? um, no, she doesn't like. Maybe I'll subject mine and then make her do a review for us. That would be funny. That would be funny. Yeah. I mean, she's 20 feet away from us right now. We could ask her, but it would, it wouldn't matter. She has to see it first. She, oh, you have, yeah. uh, you got to see it first for All sure. Right. The accoutrement that you will need. Accoutrement. Ah. Man, I love Winnebago, so man. What a so tragedy good. that we've lost him. Uh, national chart. Lightning in manhole. Hey, I don't so think so. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Lightning in manhole? Is that awkward. what he just said? <laughs> sure, I like that one. Lightning in manhole. Hey, so I was listening to your last episode, and at the very end you said that somebody spent $5,000 on bank stuff. Dude, that's insane. I don't even... <laughs> All these boxes in my room. What jeez. <laughs> oh, anyway, what was I saying? Uh, oh, yeah, Lightning. You're the freaking man. You both a good show, guys. Thanks. See, what he was doing there is he's the guy right. that bought it all. Right. Yeah, got it. Got it. That's that's pretty uh, That's pretty funny. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you bought it. You know, that reminds me. Remember the dude who used to call us on the five-star hotline stoned and talk about, like, burritos and tacos in the middle of the night and stuff? Oh, Where'd I forgot he go? about him. I miss him. I don't know. And Declan out in New England or New York or whatever. He's so gone. we just have it comes in waves. Yeah. Like we get a few guys that call frequently and Listen, then it gets you, another. If you guys are still listening and you called, like, four years ago, call, call again. Call back. Yeah, yeah, we miss you guys. 657 and also, mystery caller, uh, don't trip over your boxes. Put them on your truck. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Hotline. 657-205-6105. That is the five-star hotline. We ask that you call and leave us a funny-ass message. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. All right, if you want to hit us up on the socials, at LBC Lightning, at Sean P. Holman, at Truck Show Podcast. That's where you can find us. You can email us, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, Holman at truckshowpodcast.com, or lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. Of course, we want to hear from you. So, uh, yeah, like Lightning said, leave us a message. Make it funny. We like that. Or you can uh, record your exhaust note uh, to, like, your voice notes on your Android or your iPhone. Record it and then attach that to an email and send it to us because that's when the audio is the best. Also, we... I haven't done it in a while. Yeah. Events. Oh, Make wow. sure you guys are sending events to us, uh, and you go to truckshowpodcast.com where you can actually take a look and see what events are coming up in your area. We don't care how big or how small. Send us your event info. We'll put it on Truck Show Podcast on our events page. And, of course, uh, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app, which, of course, you iOS people should be uh, pretty uh, pretty fond of and aware of. Uh, we want to uh, get as many five-star reviews as possible because it definitely helps people find the show. All right, so here's where we think uh, Nissan. Without Nissan, uh, we wouldn't have made it this far. These guys have been through thick and thin with us, and we we desperately appreciate. We desperately appreciate. It? I was going to no. say mostly thick. We 
<laughs> there's no thin? Just, no, just, they, just all, been all the thick good, and thick with us? All good and thick, yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. sounds gross. <laughs> well, Nissan's been through the thick and thick with us? That's, that is, does sound gross, but yeah, it you know, it's not gross as a Nissan truck. So head on down to your local Nissan dealer. Tell the Truck Show podcast sent you. Don't or, mention the whole thick and thick thing, though. No, no, no. Just uh, just plug in your phone, play it on the Fender audio system. It'll sound like we're in the truck with you, whether you like that or well, not. That it's sounds up to thick. You. Right? That yeah, is thick. Yeah, yeah. that's gross. Uh, you get a Nissan Frontier, great midsize truck, or the Titan, Titan XD, half-ton trucks, half-ton plus. Industry's best warranty, five-year, 100,000 miles. We love our Nissan trucks, and uh, we appreciate Nissan for sticking with us. And when you're looking for the most powerful compact engine evaluation tool, look no further than the Banks iDash. Both the Banks iDash Data Monster or Banks iDash Super Gauge, your choice. If you want data logging, which is how you can record the data and play it back later, the iDash Data Monster's for you. Otherwise, grab the Super Gauge, put it in your car, truck, motorcycle for that matter. Jeep 392? Jeep 392. And enjoy those parameters. Enjoy those parameters, just like oh, yeah, Holman right. meant to say. Uh, that's exactly what he meant to say. And of course, we have to thank Bill Stein. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Shane and Junior, it was great to see you guys. I think it's awesome when brands come and sit in studio with us. I always think the interviews are better. And uh, I know it was a long one, but again, it seems like when we have these long ones where people are here, the storytelling and, mm-hmm. and digging down on product, all that stuff is great. If you're looking for replacement shocks, whether it's your UTV, your CUV, your pickup truck, your Jeep, Bill Stein has you covered. Twin tubes, monotubes, direct replacement, lifted. We learned so much on the show, so much to find out from a company that's been around for 150 years, and they were the original innovator of the monotube. Go to BillSteinUS.com, use their year make model tool, and you can see everything that's available for your vehicle. And you might be surprised just how much selection there is. And Holman, you know I've got my hand right here. A business card from Junior, so I can email him and request some merchandise so I don't have to wear my counterfeit hoodie anymore. <laughs> yeah, you should burn that thing. Maybe give it to uh, somebody working on a freeway or something mm. like that. It, it is, might keep me safe. It's high. It's definitely high vis. Yeah. And before we end the show, we got a great deal from our friends over at Onyx Off Road. We've got Freedom Thirty in honor of uh, Independence Day coming up. You can get thirty percent off membership, including the Elite membership tier, which not only gives you property lines and ownership of property, but also gives you discounts from partners, including a free year subscription to OVR Mag. But if you're looking for discounts or you're uh, looking to upgrade your truck, Onyx has a massive list of partners where you can get discounts. I love Onyx. I use it for all my mapping. You can do so much with it. You can build a route. You can send it to your friends. You can go on an adventure. Or like our uh, our friend Trevor Nemero, you can use it as backup if you freaking don't have cell service <laughs> and Google Maps no longer works. Yep. So, uh, head over to onxmaps.com, order your app store, and download it on your device today. Use the promo code FREEDOM30 at checkout to save 30% off for their 4th of July sale. Do it now! onxmaps.com. All right, Holman, I'm going to go stand out in the middle of the street and see if cars dodge me. <laughs> can I be the first one? <laughs> The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Homan and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.